Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Never Open Podcast, the podcast open to everyone, especially to those of you who have been to my banging masterclass for Chef's Kisses. Mwah. My name is Luke. <laughs> I am your host of the Never Open Podcast, <laughs> and with me, as always, is Mr. Andy. Say hello, Mr. Andy. Hello, Mr. Andy. Hello, Luke. And hello to all the listeners who also hate Chef Kisses like I do. Um, it's ha- I'm happy you're here. But it's something I'm willing to overlook, Luke. But uh, today we have a jam-packed show. We got four, count it, four big nights of uh, New Japan Cup, which will bring Just us up to the present. <laughs> which is, uh, is halfway, we're up to halfway through the tournament. It's been pretty good so far. We'll talk about all that. We got Wrestler Diaries. We got uh, news and we got Ian's ROH review. So, man, we got a million things and a couple surprises along the way, Luke. Hell yeah, we do. And uh, before we get to all that, by the way, Mr. Andy, I'm not going to fill this show with the words uh, banger masterclass. And I'm going to try to do this uh, as little as possible. But don't worry. <laughs> I just needed to get that out there in the intro because uh, Kevin made a big deal out of it. But uh, before we get to that, there is there is ways people can contact us if they wish to. Uh, if they want to send long-form uh, written or voice emails, they can do that. Neveropenpod at gmail.com. We're on the Tweety, where you can interact with us. I'm uh, at Grumpy2EB. Mr. Guy is at Drusiver Tweets. And collectively, we are at Neveropenpod. And if you want to spend some of that extra money, hey, we have a Teespring store where you could look never as fuck. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, Mercedes Monet is confirmed for Sakura Genesis um, versus AZM. And she's also confirmed for at least one stardom date, if not a couple. So finally, she's going to wrestle in stardom. So that's that's like that's kind of the key ingredient to all this. Like that. It doesn't really help stardom until she wrestles there. Exactly. I think she's going to move subscriptions soon. uh, Big time. I think you're right. You know, so uh... You know, even I'm thinking, like, do I have enough wrestling in my life? Can I squeeze this in? Like, uh, I don't know. But uh, I do watch a, a lot of wrestling. <laughs> We're going to cover, like, there's, there's always four too shows. Much. Always too much, man. You Look, know, and that's – I only watch New Japan for the most part, and it's still too much. So. Can I ask a serious question before we continue with news and the four big shows that we're covering? This question – I think it's a serious question, and I, where the fuck is Hikaleo? Where is he? Because this man just beat a former Grand Slam champion. He's probably, like, the most over he's ever been because of that. And he's, A, not even in the New Japan Cup. B, he's not even on the tour. And I'm like, all right, do they not want Hikaleu to lose? Well, like, they can have him lose as a big man loses, like a countout or something. It's no big deal. But where is Hikaleu? Why aren't they capitalizing on the Jay White win? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I, the cool thing about New Japan, though, is that just to play devil's advocate a little bit, which is kind of what I do, um, is that, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think that the great thing, of, you know, one of many great things about New Japan is that long term storytelling. So you kind of as soon as we see him again in Japan, the first thing on our mind will be, oh, man, he beat Jay White. You know what I mean? Of course, the first thing on your mind will be he beat Jay White and then disappeared. You know? So I, <laughs> I, I understand you're you're right, but you know I think that the fans of New Japan are smart enough to understand that. Oh, when, definitely. You know, a Gaijin's out for a month or whatever, and yeah, he he if he's not in the G1, then what was the point of all that? 
Yeah, true. So, yeah, he is conspicuous by his absence. Mind you, it took me a few shows to be like, wait a minute. All Because, you know, so many wrestlers are back that it took me a few shows to be like, wait a minute. Where's Hikaleo? Uh, so, yeah, especially when they're going like, wow, Kyle Fletcher's like 6'4". And it makes tall people. Yeah. Tall people. Tall people. Hikaleo, where is he? So, yeah. And uh, I feel like it's a good thing that after that match, I'm like, where is Hikaleo? I am missing him. So if that's how I'm feeling about Hikaleo, yeah, they did something right. Dude, I can't wait to talk about Kyle Fletcher. I got like a oh whole paragraph just about him and Australian wrestlers. You're going to love it. Oh, dude. Man, he put on uh, two fucking awesome matches, which we'll talk about against both members of uh, the Fishermen. So, yeah, we'll get there. But... Uh, there is uh, some some news, Mr. Mr. Guy, uh, that you were telling me before the show. Uh, what, have we, what have we got? So we got a few kind of things, nothing major. Well, one thing that's kind of major. One thing that I just thought was interesting is that Dragon Lee, um, you know, former, you know, uh, I guess, partner in Chops uh, with Hiromu, he uh, has recently signed with uh, WWE. So he's on the Ooh. NXT brand. And yeah, that sucks, but eh, as it is, you know, maybe he'll be on the the American Juniors Festival or something as a special dispensation. Dispensation, but uh, anyway, yeah, right. uh, drag. <laughs> yeah, probably not. So Dragon Lee debuted for NXT on a house show, which is usually what the, how they do with folks, uh, you know, in the NXT brand. And uh, he he actually wrestled the former Carl Carl Fredericks in his first match, which I I just found that interesting. I think that's what's his name now? Is it Frederick Carlson? Like, what's going on? It's something way different that will not stick in my brain. Like I've read it 20 <clears> times and I'm just like, I, I mean, I even see his like stuff on Instagram and I'm just like, yeah, who is that again? Oh, it's Carl Frederick. So for some reason it's not sticking in my brain. <laughs> probably cause I don't care. That's probably how we feel about Carl Fredericks. I guess. Uh, <laughs> he's all right. He's fine. Well, uh, so other stuff that's going on. So another kind of funny thing is that, well, it's not funny. I just, again, I just found it interesting is that uh, New Japan put uh, put Anoki's funeral. They videotaped Anoki's like public funeral and put it on New Japan World, which is a cool thing for the fans. I get it. But also it's like the most pro wrestling thing ever, you know? <laughs> And you know, Inoki <laughs> probably hadn't his in his fucking will like use my likeness, use anything you can to make money because I am a wrestler promoter and that's what I fucking do even from the grave. So I thought that was like the most pro wrestling thing ever. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that too. That's uh, not something I am ever going to watch because uh, I think funerals are a little morbid, even if they're a celebration or that. But I get it. It's fine. Um, I'm, I'm... <laughs> it is funny. But yeah, we gotta watch that. Uh, we gotta find time to watch that documentary that they put up about uh, about Wrestle you, Kingdom Wrestle this year. King. It's like a real documentary. It's not like last year or what. Or what was the show where Sting was on it and they had a documentary they put up? It's just like him talking for a little bit and then another guy talking. This actually has backstage footage and like looks really cool. It's just I keep forgetting about it. I really want to watch that. That that is a thing that exists as well. You're talking about uh, I think the Forbidden Door thing, right? Right, that's what it was, man. What a, yeah, that was that's what it was. Not a documentary. That was bullshit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were so excited about that, and then it was nothing. But uh, then some sad news, Luke. Uh, Daisuke Harada is a wrestler we've covered on this show a few times uh, in Noah crossover matches or shows that we've covered from Noah. 
He's a legendary, like, uh, you know, junior tag guy from Noah that is like won every belt that there is to win. And unfortunately, he has to retire uh, due to like a non-symptomatic neck injury. Like he went in for something else and they found like a devastating neck injury, but he doesn't have pain or any symptoms. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a bummer. He's not, you never want to go out. Like wrestlers always want to go out on their own terms so much so that they do it more than once. A lot of them, you know what I mean? And and so not going out on your own terms is kind of a bummer, but he is like, he's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to have one more match. So he's, I don't, I can't remember who he's wrestling, but I think it's on the 19th of March. He's having like a, they're doing a Daisuke Hirata retirement show. So man, old guys are dropping like flies and Noah, what are they going to do? Push the younger guys. (laughs) No. They're going to sign Brett. They're going to sign Mr. Brett. Uh, that's that's where Tenzon has been. He's been in, in contract negotiations with the hairdresser at Noah. He's trying to figure <laughs> out if he can do the, you know, do his, his uh, Mohawk thing or whatever it is. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, man, that sucks for him. Because, yeah, you definitely want to go out in your own terms, even if it's, you know, usually on your back and all that kind of stuff. So. Man, that sucks. Uh, I, and, and having heard that he's going to have one more match, I'd just be like, dude, that might be the straw that broke your camel's back. Like, maybe it'll be a tag match and he won't have to do much or something. But yeah, I don't he'll know. Be fine. He's a yeah, he's a probably. Noah wrestler. They're fucking like super tough, you know. And and it sucks that he has to retire. If you don't know who he is, maybe you remember me freaking out more than once. Like his, the tag finisher that he had with his tag partner was a drop toe hold into a knee, like a knee. So the dude, it, it looks so fucking real, dude. It's like one of the most real looking pro wrestling moves ever. The first time I saw it, I thought they screwed up and just killed someone. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It's, and so that guy is like just a tremendous wrestler and sad he has to go away. But uh, man, we got a lot of wrestling to talk about, Luke, don't we? Yeah. That's so, uh, after a funeral and a retirement, it feels like I don't know. So I'm just segue into wrestling, yay! It's uh, hard to hard to transition from those two things. They both a little sad, but yes, let's do it. It's the fireworks factory. We're here. It's the New Japan Cup. It's night three, and hey, we're at a place that actually has an interesting, fun name. It's the Big Pallet Arena in Fukushima, dude. That's right. I know you did. Tell us about Big Pallet. <laughs> yes, as usual, Luke, I've researched uh, some of the venues and we talked all about the, you know, forming of the Big Pallet and how it was designed to look like a giant paint pallet. And that's why it's called that uh, on another episode. This, I believe it's the second time they've been to this venue and it's just fucking cool looking. And the fact that it has a cool name is awesome. So I looked up uh, some information about it and I was like, ah, let's find some Google reviews about, <laughs> about the Big Pallet. So I did. I found a few Google reviews and some of them are funny and some are not. So let's see here. Here's one. It's five out of five stars. Uh, He says uh, space like space. January 2020. It's space like the universe, especially the appearance of the outside is some word. I don't know what it is. The facilities inside are quite good and is the best building for events. The best one. Luke, that's five out of five. So they they get progressively worse, by the way. So here is a three out of five star review. One step closer to access. This is from June 2019. 
The venue itself is very good with a large parking lot, but it is far from the station and in the city. So there is a lot of traffic around. It's difficult to get everything right, but it's a step forward. So he's proud of them for trying. They fucked it up. They didn't quite get it right, but, you know, three stars. Throw you a bone, right? <laughs> so I looked oh, hard. Oh, my goodness. You know, Japanese people are very polite. And uh, so there was kind of hard to find a one-star review, but I found one. So, one Probably star from, from the one guy, Jimmy <laughs> Payne. It's from October 2016. And it says, uh, the title is No Parking Available. In the event of a great earthquake, it was used as an ec- evacuation site, but it is usually the worst to move from the parking lot to the building on a rainy day. It is one of the buildings that I want you to think about the location of the building in the parking lot. The entrance is hard to find. It's nice in the middle. So I think right. they they used it as an evacuation site, and so he couldn't get parking. Like there was people he gets that one star because it was used <laughs> to as a shelter for safety during an earthquake. All right. I mean, this, this building saved lives. One star. Fuck this place. That's right. He should have given it two stars at least for the cool shape of the roof. I mean, damn. That's, that's hardcore. But, uh, but yeah, so there is some fun stuff. And I have more information about all the venues that New Japan is visiting on this New Japan Cup tour. That's right. And we kick things off with Yuto Nakashima and Shooter Umino. So it's Yuto Shooter versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Kosai Fujita. Uh, I don't have, uh, unless there's like some story stuff, I don't have mega, mega, mega notes for the tags because we got a lot of shows. So I thought I'll, I'll do decent ones. And yeah, so that is what it is. I'm, I guess I should have told you that before the show, East Andy, but you're finding out right now. <laughs> it's tournament mode, man. I know what we're tournament doing. Mode. Hell yeah. Big notes for the tawny matches. The tag matches were zoom, 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 zoom. All right. So uh, Shooter and Zack Sabre Jr., they have a second round match, so it's kind of previewing that. And uh, Zack Sabre Jr. does it again. In fact, I think there's only one night where Zack Sabre Jr. fails to work his magic where I'm like, I must see that match. And it's night two where Ujiro uh, is in it because uh, almost everyone I see Zack Sabre Jr. wrestle, I'm just like singles, singles match. Gimme, I want that. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm also going to make a point that I like, I like Shooter Umino a lot. I don't think he's fully clicked for me yet, but he's he's just returned and there's heaps of time because look at my opinion on Great Okan and look at how long it took Lata. So he'll click eventually, but Shooter wins. He beats Fujita with the Bulldog choke. Yeah, he's doing fine in the ring. You know, I, I did uh, notice that like when he wrestled Pimpy, he looked like shit. And when he wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. in this match, he looked awesome. I wonder why. All right. But, I uh, have an idea. <laughs> yes. Right. When Shooter comes out with the white jacket on, mm-hmm. he's white meat, baby face, right? Okay. If Shooter comes out with the black jacket on and he's holding the white jacket, you know he's going to fuck someone up. That's what I want to okay. see. I wonder if they'll do that. Hmm? I don't know. Just an idea. He's like, you know, you wear, you wear the black hat or you carry the black jacket, you know, or you carry it. <laughs> I don't know. There's some metaphor in there. Anyway, next, look, we have just four guys, all of them, versus... Uh, Bullet Club, it's Kenta, El Fantasmo, Chase Owens, and David Finley. And this is story stuff to do with the uh, kind of like budget or bur- burgeoning, is that the word? Burgeoning feud between ELP and David Finley that's kind of going on here. We're not sure what they're going to do, but it's fun to watch. And um, 
you know, basically just four guys they attack before the bell. That happens like in every tag match almost. It's well, like Kana, any tag Kanemaru match. is in the team. Oh, dude, we're going to talk about Kanemaru getting nailed with his own move here uh, in one of these matches that was like, I can't believe it, you assholes. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so we get the start of this kind of like story that we're going to have here with ELP. He won't tag in Finley, you know, and uh, it's it's great, too, that like what um, Taichi and Finley get in and they're acting like they they have a match coming up. They're, <laughs> they're like doing preview stuff and it's like, yeah, this is really good. OK, I like this. They don't have a match coming up, but whatever. Um, and uh, ELP gives an impromptu interview with Kevin Kelly during the match. And basically he says he's not cool with Finley joining Bullet Club. He says they agreed, like as a group, Bullet Club voted that they're a democracy. And so they uh, voted to to agree to just let Jay go right off into the sunset without beating him up. And so Finley went on his own way. But I guess maybe he's not in the group text. So how would he know? But Gato yeah. is. So what? Um, but ELP, he cheers he cheers for Finley when he's in a hold instead of breaking the pinup, which happens again <laughs> in the reverse on another match later on. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's also great because ELP is checking all the fan signs and stuff like that. So uh, I don't remember who won. I didn't write uh, down Trash Panda on Takamichinoku. So oh, I should have known. I should, that's why I didn't write it down because I knew it. I should have known. Takaze. <laughs> Takaze. He, he already match. died. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like, uh, like he, uh, there's a submission move on. Uh, Taka's got him in the chokehold. And, uh, <laughs> and ELP's like, come on, man, you can do it. Oh, it's awesome stuff. But uh, next we have Abushi and Shingo versus Aaron Hanare and uh, the great Okan. Uh, this is great stuff. They're, they're building Hanare up. They're making him look like a threat, which is cool because it's what I want. And, uh, man, I wrote in my notes here, man, I hope he wins the first round <laughs> at least. And I love Shingo. So there'll be more on that later. But uh, I know, uh, you know, because he needs a big-ass win. And everyone's saying, even the commentary said this at one point, yes, we know he beat Tanahashi, but that was ages ago. And he, yeah. <laughs> And it was, and he, and that's all he did that G1, just that one win. If he had a racked up like four wins, they'd be like, oh, fuck yeah. But he only got the one win, unfortunately. But uh, Ultima on Bushi while Shingo's in the Sheep Killer. And uh, after that match, something happens. And I'm like, oh man, no. All the Gaijin's in the back and all right, fine. Chase Owens is on commentary. And guess what he doesn't do? No, doesn't look up the bracket or know what the bracket is. I'm like, come on, man. It's literally your job. You're in the tournament. Yeah, I don't know. That's Kevin's job, you know, to keep track of that shit. I always like, uh, whenever I talk to wrestlers about, like, backstage stuff, I always ask them, like, what the fuck's going on with this? And they're like, I don't know. I just worry about my shit. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That's kind of how they are. But, uh yeah, I, I this match was great, and you know Hanari's looking really good here, man. He's putting together some good shit going on in this this like kind of section of shows we're about to talk or we are currently talking about. But I do want to uh, rewind to last week. During our show last week, Hanari tweeted us a story about how he he lost a bunch of sunglasses, right? And he lost Great Okan's sunglasses, and it didn't click into me after we'd stopped recording. Those are Great Okan's Dick Togo Cosplay sunglasses. So, oh, no. That is bullshit, Hanari. Come on, man. How's he going to dress I, up I did, like Dick Togo? 
I did tweet it out to Nari, but uh, he didn't reply. So thanks, Nari. But I said, hey, since you, since you, since the Empire is going, might get a sponsorship with Reeboks. Uh, I googled it. They do sunglasses, man. Maybe they can send you a box. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Hook him up. Hooking him up. That's right, man. That's what we do here. We hook wrestlers up with sponsorships to Nike and Reebok. So uh, anyway, <laughs> next match, Luke, is uh, Leah Rush, Tamatonga, and Hanma versus Naito, Hiromu, and Sonata. And that team is that first team is like a fever dream and only shit like this can happen in pro wrestling where leo rush is tagging with hanma and tama tonga in japan what the fuck so um <laughs> that's just weird it's just i don't know i love that Hiromu and leo they do their preview shit and it fucking rules uh lig they lij team up and they get heat on leo he takes an awful bump into the guardrails he doesn't want to do that one he's like nah I'll do that I don't do that. Do that bump later when nobody's watching or something. So LIJ's wrestling heel. And that's great because that allows Han Mania to run wild on Naito. And that's really fun. He gets a Kokeshi on the first try. And of course, there's an LIJ combo with a rolling jackknife pin. But Hanma kicks out. And there's this really slow, crappy Destino. And Naito pins Hanma. And this is funny because Naito makes Kevin Kelly look like such a badass after the match. He grabs Kevin's mic, speaks Spanish to Chase Owens, who's on commentary, and then like casually tosses the mic to Kevin, who catches it and like makes a face at Chase Owens, like right in his face. And it was like, <laughs> it's the, like Naito's so cool. He he just stood there for a second and made Kevin Kelly look like the coolest person ever. Yep. I also like that what you mentioned, like uh, Rush doesn't want to take this bump tonight, and uh, unfortunately for you, Leo, you're in a feud with Lij, <laughs> bump, bump machines and workhorses. So guess what? You're going on the fucking guardrail. <laughs> That's just it's, how it's going. It's weird because like I'm gonna talk about his willingness to bump later. You know, like I guess everybody's different every day, but like it's it's interesting yeah. how sometimes uh, foreigners tip typically tend to be inconsistent with that kind of thing. But then again, travel schedule, there's a lot of factors to that. Yep, I agree. And uh, all right, so next we have Yo and Team Bishamon. That's uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi versus Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and the Billy Goat. And uh, <laughs> I, like, I just imagine Yo watched Goto drink like 100 energy drinks before the show and had to pee. <laughs> <laughs> This match is a nice no, little no, preview for No, here, here's what happened. Yeah. Uh, Goto was about to pee, and, and, and Yo stopped him and said, no, I will do I this. Will. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. Yeah, so this match is a nice little preview for uh, Fletcher and Yoshihashi, which uh, turns out to be a fucking awesome match. Like, I know there's one little minor spot that Yoshihashi did where you all are just like, and I saw it too, we were like, mm -hmm. but the rest, yeah, really good. Anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I was just going to write down, yep, Hidden Blade on Yo, which makes me very happy. Most of my notes are about, like, what's coming up, and I'm like, I think this match will be fun, but Fletcher is winning. I'm like, yeah, no shit. And, uh, you know, Yoshi's got his big Tanahashi win, so uh, he can lose the next match. Now, um, That's true. before we continue, I just want to m mention, uh, I have decent notes on both these singles matches, but I have more for Yano Dunkzilla. Are you okay if I cover that one? I don't care. All right, man. 
It's just a, you know, two matches. Is that, is, that, but yeah. is that how we're deciding who does which match from now on is who has more notes? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to do like, do you want me to ramble? <laughs> do you want me to no. be like, I think no. So yeah, <laughs> this, this is shit I should do before the show, but I'm just like, uh, there's lots of wrestling to do. Let's, let's get into it. But, uh, if you don't have anything more to add to Yo Bishamon and the other match, I'll get right yeah, like, into it. Other yep. than that, Yo and Team Fisherman is the worst chaos team ever. Yeah, it's not my favorite trio, and uh, that's probably because for you it's for all of them. Uh, for me, it's for Yo. <laughs> all right. So next we have Toriano versus the Dunkzilla, Mark Davis, and I. Maybe anyone in the uh, Wrestle Universe can – Wrestle Universe, that's the wrong service – in the New Japan world can correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first Australian to have a match in the New Japan Cup? Yeah, they say it on commentary. Oh, well, there you go. Now, I like this match, but I'm going to say one thing before I get into it. It's too long. Yep. And uh, it's not – not a slide on either wrestler, but I feel like Yano matches should be less than 10 minutes. I just That's just how it is, because there's, there's supposed to be more fun. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, Yano uh, uh, chumps Marty out straight away. It's Marty Asami refing this match, of course, because it's a Yano match. But he gets chumped out as well because he sucks at pat-downs because uh, <laughs> Yano tapes Kyle Fletcher to the railing. He and Dunkzilla, they, they go under the ropes. And Yano has a black hood on, so he can't see. And uh, so he's going the wrong way during a count out. And I'm just like, take take it take it off. But no, he makes it. <laughs> 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 he makes it back in the ring. Dunkzilla pulls off Yano's T-shirt so he can chop, him, chop the shit out of him better, only to find that there's, like, another T-shirt. <laughs> that was great. That's smart, man. You're wrestling someone who's got, like, big, heavy-looking hands like Dunkzilla. I might wear two T-shirts for that, too. Not that it's going to make that much of a difference, but ouch. <laughs> and then uh, after that, he... <laughs> Dunk starts just whooping his ass. Just It's total ass whoop city. Lays Yano out on the outside <laughs> and flips the ground mat onto Yano and does a senton onto the... Like, he... Like the the ground mat, he, yeah. So the woods exposed, sent on on Tiano like that. Oh no, that must hurt more because it's done on the outside, of course. And uh, this is where I'm like, I kind of like this match. Shave off about five to seven minutes, and it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> you know, Yano matches have that sweet spot, you know. Yeah. However, uh, however, like uh, I was thinking, like. I'm liking this match. It's pretty long, especially since there's no way we're going to get Dunkzilla versus Will Ospreay. Oh, wait. <laughs> Dunkzilla racks him up, slams Yano down. I'm not sure what his finishing move is called because I'm a professional. But one, two, three, because they, they don't have anything for Yano to do right now, not even win a first-round match. And the thing I never thought would happen, we're going to get. And, uh, man, understatement. Is how excited excited I am for this match. So next we're going to get Dunkzilla versus Will Ospreay. So hell yeah, uh, it was it was fine. Yes, and for better or for worse, all these New Japan Cup matches are getting lots of time, like twenty plus minutes. And yeah, yeah, this match is just it's got you know there's that phrase ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag. This is five pounds of shit in a ten pound bag. You know there's not enough. 
there. So they try to do too much even, you know, and, but they don't do enough. It's like, you know, when you watch a movie nowadays and it's like three hours long and you're like, they needed three hours to tell the story, but they couldn't hit this beat and they couldn't hit that beat and all that stuff. That's kind of how this match made me feel at the end. It wasn't bad. It was just, I'm looking at you, just, the Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was just way too long. So, you know, I will have the same similar things to say about this next one. We have uh, another yeah. first round uh, New Japan Cup match in the main event. It is Ren Narita, the son of Strong Style versus Evil. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Ren attacks Evil immediately, right? And he tries to rip Evil's leg off, which is pretty cool. And Togo trips Ren, who gets choked on the outside for a really lame countout spot. Uh, Red Shoes gets the biggest pop of the match, by the way, so far for refusing to count a pin, which I like. But this match is boring, kind of, because it's they they know they got forever. They got to wrestle for 25 minutes, so they're kind of really taking their time, which I'm not mad about. But like, I don't know. Just I agree. Just, it was we, it was too long, you yeah. know. If we're getting big uh, match evil, give me 20 minutes of that. If we're getting House of Torture evil, there's a sweet spot. Yeah. 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, like cheating spots to that extent, like they have to have a payoff, like quickly. You know what I mean? You can't like, I don't know. You can't just let like those kinds of things have to have like a beginning, middle and end, like right then and there. And you can't just like, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Usually they do a good job about it. But when they stretch it out, it doesn't work. So Ren fires up and gets his shit in uh, and they get he goes back to the leg. Red Shoes helps foil the hold your leg spot that Evil does by calmly putting Evil's leg down and bowing, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. He like calmly puts his leg down and then bows like, shit, my bad, which is amazing. So they do the Abe spot. It's next. And Togo uses a chair on Ren. We get a double team after a German suplex from Ren and they settle into strong, a strong style heavyweight match, which is not necessarily what I want from an Evil House of Torture match, but it's fine. I'm just ready for the Suzuki Goon run-in, right? You know, or not Suzuki Goon, excuse me, the Suzuki mm-hmm. run-in, you know? I mean, like, that's, I'm, like, waiting this whole match because the feud is strong style versus House of Torture. It's not Ren Narita versus Evil. So I'm, like, the whole time I'm waiting for that to happen. There's a bunch of cool bridging suplexes from Ren, a Dick Toga distraction, a chump bump, and cheating begins even more. So we have a beatdown on Ren, and no one comes to save him. He kicks out after a magic killer and the crowd go, gets like, yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah, we kind of like that. There's a rear naked choke and Ren tries the Cobra twist. He grabs the ref and Togo is super late with the garage. So like the, this is not done well here. And so the crowd boos him and Ren takes out both guys, hitting insecurities on evil, setting up the Cobra twist and evil grabs his ear and gets a sneaky low blow. I think he grabbed the ref and got a sneaky low blow. A a little back and forth, but everything is evil for the win. After the match, there's a scorpion death lock on Ren for no reason. And Ren has a bloody nose from a really sweet, like, Larry the evil hit him with late in the match. But, like, what the fuck, strong style guys? Where are you at? You just, just, they just weren't there that night, I guess. Well, I was going to say maybe Suzuki's already in America waiting for Kenta to arrive, but uh, he's on some (laughs) of these nights. So (laughs) it's like. Yeah. Uh, to be to play devil's advocate for Dick Togo, uh, it's not often that he's late with his timing. In fact, uh, sure. I think that might be one of the few times you've called that out. So usually they have that worked out like a fine, uh, well-oiled machine. Something well, has been like 
they're usually doing one or two cheating spots in a match, not 20. So. <laughs> now, whoever decided that Narita and Evil and Yano and Dunkzilla had to be on the same night, uh, maybe one of these matches should have been on the same night as a so maybe Sonata or a Naito match because, you know, those two men will work a 20 to 30 minute match and that would make make up for the first tournament match being a bit shorter, maybe tighten those up. Um, I didn't have a bad time watching either match. I like all four wrestlers, and it's fine. Uh, it's just um, I feel like you can't have short main events, <laughs> main events because everyone's been waiting for them because of the tag matches and stuff, and then you have them, and you're just like, yeah, I would have shaved like it should have been half the length, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is one kayfabe issue with new japan is that tournament matches always go longer than like you know they, they always get a certain amount of time and very rarely you have like a yano you know what did we had uh naito beat zack saber jr in like a second and so you get those big shocks and stuff like that when stuff like that happens but there's no in between there's no like seven minute match you know it's either like 20 minutes two seconds or nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we have to be like that? But at the same time, I enjoyed it. It was a fun night of wrestling. It was the only night so far that I've watched where I enjoy the tag matches more than the singles matches. I might agree there. And yeah, and we like pretty much all four guys. So it happens. All right. So uh, night four, we're at the AMS Yamanashi is that where we are? The name of the building? Yeah. What where are oh, where are we at? The name of the building, Luke, is the Yamanashi Prefectural Industry Exhibition and Exchange Center. And this this venue is built to promote industry and improve culture in the Yamanashi Prefecture. And uh, we like this is from their website. We hope that it will be used as a place to promote the exchange of information, technology, and culture through the exhibition of new products and the in introduction of new technologies in the industrial field it, it, it the place i have described as the oh that's my that's my bad english it's the place that i have described in the past as the basement of a submarine it's like this concrete yes. monstrosity of a room that has to be it's just like it looks like gunmetal gray it looks like a fucking submarine and it's just weird and i i can hear water sloshing around when i'm there i don't know why it's just weird so uh yeah and um that was Sometimes the, it's dripping from the ceiling. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, my goodness. So, look, we start off with a match, and when I see it, I'm just like, why Why is this match? Why? Uh, in fact, uh, in fact, no, I started last night. You can start this show. <laughs> All right. Well, the first match, Luke, is Zack Sabre Jr. and his young boy, Fujita, versus Pimpy and show. So, um, how's Torture Cheat? And there's a bunch of heat on Fujita. He gets his comeback on Pimpy after hitting a shoulder tackle, which is pretty fun. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. cleans house and then tags Fujita right back in after the shoulder t- after he just tagged out. It's like, well, he's losing, you know? So when House Torture team up on Fujita this time, Zack's there to even the odds, though. And we get the double team tag submission move in uh, with the hoverboard lock from Fujita and some crazy arm hole from Zack Sabre Jr. on Pimpy. And then uh, Show uses a rep distraction in his cross arm pile driver on Fujita for the win. Yep. So when Zack Sabre Jr. and Kazuchika Okada can't make you look like a bajillion dollars, yeah, there's there's a problem. Go away, Yujiro. Or they don't want to. 
Yeah, or they don't want to, because yeah, because <laughs> otherwise you might get stuck in a feud with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next we have just two guys. That's uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Taichi versus <gasps> the evil dicks. This is That's, unreal, uh, dude. Dick Togo. Oh. Yeah, there's uh, a Kanemaru gambit on Kanemaru. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you motherfuckers. And and I got to tell you, the like just four guys versus House of Torture, it gets me legitimately angry at House of Torture. So like, man, it's working. Damn. It is working because, uh, yeah, I, I agree because and everyone's like, that's how I feel every time House of Torture's out. Yeah, but we kind of like that because it's kind of fun and healing. But now they're up against like our boys and now it's yeah, not, not wrestling chaos, you know, so... <laughs> Dude, and then Evil, like, straight up gets on the mic and starts talking shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this match is short and hilarious. So they take out Taichi more than Katamaru, and they lead Katamaru into the ring, and Taichi has to kind of take his jacket off and sell crawling to the ring while House of Torture double-team Katamaru. Man, uh, the end is really funny, too, when... Uh, uh, Dick Togo, he sees the Suntory surprise. He takes a swig of whiskey. Taichi comes in, might be one of the <laughs> only major moves he does in a match, and covers Dick Togo's mouth. And then uh, he turns him and makes it, and like he gets kicked or something, and spits the whiskey into Evil's face. Then uh, Katamaru rolls up Dick Togo. So short, fun, and uh, the commentator uh, Kevin's like, oh. Just four guys finally win a match, and I'm like, oh wow, someone didn't watch uh, Fantastic Mania, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> Nobody did. Yeah, yeah, I kind of. So I'll, 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 I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the another thing that happened in this match that was really cool is that while that like Dick Togo tried to steal Kanemaru's thing, right, with a Suntory surprise, and then uh, you know, tight or while that was going on, Kanemaru actually like Taichi prevents Dick Togo from doing that. Then uh, Kanemaru steals Evil's leg catch move and uses That's that against right. him. And then Dick Togo gets the Suntory surprise in, in his face anyway. So it was like very multi-layered, well-timed. It was pretty cool. That was and, and it was short. They got in, they got out, man. So uh, this next match, I there's a lot to talk about here. Um, so we have uh, El Fantasmo, David Finley, and Kenta. Oh, with Chase Owens versus uh, Minoru Suzuki, Ren Narita, Desperado, and Taguchi, which is really funny. So uh, Taguchi's in this match, <laughs> and like, what's he doing there? But at the same time, he should be. So Finley's such a jerk. Desperado's got a new shirt, and uh, <laughs> so uh, Finley steals it and throws it away and then punches Desperado in the face before the bell. Like, damn, bro. And it's becoming cl- it's becoming clear that we have some philosophical differences between um, El Fantasmo and kind of the rest of Bullet Club. So, you know, Bullet Club it has a lot of guys that just kind of go with the flow. That, that You know, they're just there for the money, right? That's kind of how their character is. And so they just kind of go with the flow. So most of them are not very proactive when it comes to fighting other, you know, ideas as far as philosophical ideas within Bullet Club. ELP's kind of in a way, standing up to Finley. I don't know how where it'll go, but we'll see. So, um, you know, I, I really like it. It's not super subtle or anything, but it's well done. So, uh, so Taguchi, it, you know, all the guys are in there. All of the uh, the Hantai guys are in there and the uh, Strong Style or whatever, and they're about to do the the Ho uh, 
coach train spot and fucking Suguchi starts calling the plays. Right. But you know, he's the coach, but strong style, they don't know the signs, So they just ignore him. Right. <laughs> it's just pretty funny. I enjoyed that. So there's a bunch of heat on Desperado Suzuki and Kenta get into it, of course. And it's very never, and it's awesome. They hit so many Yakuza kicks on each other that they knock each other out with one for a really fun double team, uh, a double down. Taguchi runs uh, some team offense without calling plays, and it works great this time. So don't tell him what to do. You know, that's that's kind of the lesson here. He even gets an angle lock <laughs> on Finley. And so ELP is in that same spot where is he going to break it up? But he hesitates to break up the, the uh, hold and gets hit with a rear naked choke um, <clears throat> from Renarita, right? This match is real sloppy, by the way. So it's not like it's, you know, it's not masterful as far as the wrestling and, and cleanness or anything like that. But uh, uh, these are both like new teams, though, here, completely new teams that we've never seen before, except for the night before uh, some version of the Bullet Club team. So this is kind of there's all this new dynamics going on. And, and, and New Japan's really done a good job with introducing lots of that uh you know in the the months after wrestle kingdom so this is good stuff there's a blue steel driver from finley i won't call it the trash panda on Taguchi for the win and then gato scolds elp after the match for hesitating to break up the uh, hold that finley was in and elp stands separate from the team whenever he has a chance to so like if if all the bullet club guys are standing in one corner he's kind of off the side by himself you know it's it's not like i said it's not subtle but like I could imagine someone who's not paying attention just like suddenly getting the idea that maybe these guys are not on the same page. So uh, Chase Owens runs over to Kevin uh, Kelly, who has this little microphone, and he tells Kevin that Bullet Club voted. We hear about that whole thing. And uh, does Pimpy get a vote? Does Gino? And uh, that's what I was wondering. But uh, Suzuki wants to fight Kenta after the Kenta after the match, but Kenta's just like, nah, I'm gonna stay in the ring. I'm not fighting you yeah, today. Uh, I liked uh, I liked uh, Taguchi's hurt feelings face when they didn't want to do the game plan thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So next we have uh, Honma, Toriyanu, Tomaki Honma, Toriyanu, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto versus a great Okan on the cob, Mark Davis and Will Osprey. Now, uh, yeah, I see a really fun exchange between uh, Dunkzilla and uh, Goto. And then, uh, you know, Greater Khan's getting some revenge on Yano. Yano tries to grab, play with the hand, and uh, Greater Khan's just like, you know, fuck you, I'm going to choke you out with my braid. But uh, this match illustrates another reason why Ishii is, like, one of the best. And he, he, he did this a lot during his, like, feud with House of Torture, and he does a lot here. You know, if it's one-on-one, he's really good at doing reversal, transition, reversal, transition. If he's in a multi-man, like, tag match, he's also good at uh, duck, spin him around, push him into the other guy, duck, uh, you know, chop, get the other guy to kick the other guy. He's really good at that. His timing is just fucking incredible. And because of this, like, awesome Ishii timing and stuff, like, uh, Osprey fucking big boots, like, all of his teammates. And then he also makes Dunkzilla kick um, Billy. So, you know, then there's a side-o suplex on, uh, on Billy as well. So, like, it's all this kind of stuff, and that little, like, one interaction, that's where it goes, like, uh, it goes from, like, uh, Dunkzilla and uh, Billy going from, hey, we have a match, that's cool, to, hey, we have a match, and we're going to fuck each other up. Hey, did you kick me? Don't kick me. I didn't mean to kick you. Don't kick me. So, awesome stuff. And then, uh, of course, Honda's in the match, and uh, he hasn't been on a tour in a while. 
Yeah, so uh, Jeff Cobb reminds him what what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I like that match, and I like the yeah. story with um, United Empire, where like like Will has a choice of who he's going to tag in. He tries to tag in Dunk Zill, and Dunk Zill's like, "No, you, you kick me in the face like you did Ocon a second ago." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck you, man. <laughs> funny, man. Oh, that was great. <clears throat> For this next match, we need a great ref. So we have Marty Asami. Referee Chumpy is in the house, and it's always good to know when he's in the building. So he's there. And uh, LHA minus Shingo versus Leah Rush, Yo, Shota Umino, and Tama Tonga. And uh, Tama, Tonga, and Sonata just absolutely crush it to open the match. I mean, just like, wow, this is what these guys can yeah. do at the top of their game, and it's fucking awesome. Yo tries the Paradise Lock on Sonata and gets put in it himself right away and <laughs> which is great and if you leave him like, in it long enough he'll pay his pants <laughs> <laughs> that's why he doesn't want to get in it he's trying to figure yeah. out how to put someone in it so he can get out of it but uh lij Sorry. they they fuck up yo until he hits a falcon arrow on naito uh let's see here leo rush and hiromu they do their crazy ass wrestling it's great rush uh he runs wild on lij and hits a like first rope acai moonsault to the outside that is just awesome. We get a little bit of Shota versus Hiromu, but Bushi tags in and taps out to Shota Umino. I think it's uh, STF that he has. And uh, uh, I'm not sure. Bulldog, not show, oh, it's bulldog what, uh, Moxley, oh, Moxley right, right. does. Yeah. There you go. I'm not sure if it's in this match. I feel like it's it must be in a later match. I sent you like a little video of um like Leah Rush gets a hot tag in this match. I think it's this one or the next one. And he kicks Hiromu. And it's one of the it's just the best sell ever. You watch it 20 <laughs> times and you cannot tell if Leo Rush just blasted Hiromu in the face or if Hiromu just is the best ever at selling. It's impossible to tell. And man, I love that. Like the like like so New Japan's obviously really good at booking, but you know, part of their like, you know, magic kind of secret recipe is these wrestlers like Hiromu that are going to go really hard. And it's got to be the next match where I like Leah Rush is just he has to bump like a maniac because look at what Hiromu's doing when he's selling just a simple kick. So it, it's like it's good for both wrestlers and that's kind of how wrestling's supposed to work and man it's so great to see it like actually work that way so it's like rush realized like from the previous night where he's like oh, i'm not gonna take that guardrail spot brother and then the next night he's like actually i think i better take these spots because uh, uh i'm facing a junior champion and he's bumping like a maniac so you know <laughs> awesome good because i went from not caring about a match to hook it up to my veins please i really want to see it yeah, yeah, just like the the House of Torture versus Just Four Guys, what they're doing is working. Yep, absolutely. Speaking of something that works, I don't know how much it works for you because of one of the gentlemen in the match, but here it is. It's Yoshihashi versus Kyle Fletcher. We got the Empire out to support Kyle, and uh, all right, Jeff Cobb on commentary. It's too much, too much amazing. That is. <laughs> Uh, in fact, in recent memory, he might be my favorite uh, gaijin who's done uh, commentary for a while. I can't remember if there's anyone I like a little more, but man, he's excited and he's good at not just, I'm going to talk about the match in a second, I promise, but he's good at not just putting over his teammate, 
but when and he does this with the uh, the Goto match as well. He's good at also going, oh man, that was awesome as well. So he's good. It's he really, also, really good. I mean, the very first thing out of his mouth is calling Team Bishimon Fisherman. So <laughs> like, I was like, yes, I was so happy. Plus, um, yeah, uh, we we've had other people in commentary that don't do such a good job. So uh, yes, uh, I'm really really stoked when Jeff like Jeff Cobb reacts to the moves. Some of the guys that yeah. are in commentary we're going to talk about don't even react to the moves and like figure out during the commentary that they're supposed to talk about what's happening kind of it's like i don't know not only that like jeff cobb also does something unthinkable all right so when he's a wrestler doing wrestling stuff as you i'm i'm gonna piggyback off what you said fine he probably only cares about what he's doing on the card right well here he is on commentary and he makes it sound like he looked at his phone or he looked at uh kevin's notes and shit because he checked out the bracket and he talked about it. I'm like, how fucking hard was that? It took two seconds, Chase Owens. Get out of here. Fucking hell. You know, care about what you're doing when you're doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, Yoshihashi and Kyle Fletcher, these two men, they kick each other's asses, man. This is guardrail city at the start. Like, I'm just like, are you going to stop throwing each other in the guardrail? No. And it's, again and again. <laughs> fucking like, all right. And then they start kicking each other's bloody faces off. Kicks to the face, kicks to the face. I'm like, holy shit. Like, all right. So Kyle Fletcher, young, up and coming. He's tall. He's put on more beef. He Like, he didn't used to always look this heavy. They talk about it uh, either on this night or another night. Uh, apparently he was a vegan and he started eating meat and stuff to kind of bulk up. But I don't know, Yoshihashi kind of makes helps make Kyle Fletcher look like a bajillion dollars as well, which is pretty cool because uh, Yoshihashi, he's hot off a Tanahashi win. He's also the tag champ, all this kind of stuff. He pulls out all sorts of shit he doesn't always do. So I know Yoshihashi can do Canadian Destroyers, but I kind of forget he can do Canadian Destroyers until, like, I see – I know it's mostly Kyle Fletcher doing that. Shut up. But he does two of those, one of them off the middle rope as well. And then there's, like, suplexes galore and shit. This is, like – I'm going to say it. I don't care if Yoshihashi's in the match, Mr. Andy. I felt like both the, this match and especially the next match, I thought they were both nether as fuck. They're both stiff. This match is stiff. I didn't expect such, like... I mean, I think we both mentioned it. There's one spot where Yoshihashi does, like, a Canadian drop kick through the ropes, and eh, it's not... That's probably, like, the worst part of the match. Otherwise, I don't really have a problem with it. They beat the shit out of each other. I get lots of suplexes. I like Canadian destroyers. I got a soft spot for those. And goddamn, Kyle wins with a spinning tombstone pile driver. Looks impressive doing it. And I'm just like, man, I'm glad he's in a tag team with Dunkzilla could Aussie Open, but no, oh, they've got something here. If they ever want to push him as a singles, I thought this match was great. I probably liked it more than you, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I liked it a lot, too. And, you know, yes. one of the reasons I liked this because the wrestling was awesome. Kyle Fletcher yeah. is kind of special. Like, I mean, he's, you know, I mean. I, Trained by Robbie Eagles. Yeah. And, and I, I just I wish commentary would talk more about why he's good. Like, tell us why, because they'll be like, he's so good at this age. You know, look at him. He's put meat on and stuff, but it's like, why? And and I, I think I'm going to talk about it more in the Goto match because I have that match is fascinating. And I it's just 
there is an Australian wrestler effect that's happening. And it's, it's like, especially happening to Goto and Yoshihashi and it is great. And I'll talk about that more on, on the second half of the show when we're talking about the other two shows, but I really enjoyed this and this opened my eyes to, to some possibilities that I really hadn't thought about before, you know? So I can't wait to talk about that. I really liked it. I'm glad Kyle Fletcher won. I think if he would have lost, I probably would have liked the match a little less, you know? It would have made no sense time, as well. Right. And I mean, and also the other reason I really like this match is because I've coined a new uh, name for one of uh, Yoshihashi's moves. And I think this will stick. This is going to work. So it's not a Canadian destroyer. It's not a Tokyo destroyer. It's nothing like that. It's a Soba noodle destroyer. So that's, <laughs> that is what it's called from now on. So, and uh, I, I can't wait to talk about his match versus Goto. Uh, Kyle Fletcher is making a mark on New Japan Cup. So he was the right choice to be in it. Also, All right, I would say Yoshihashi's matches are better because he stopped doing the stank lock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he hasn't done. Well, yeah, Aussie Open, they're like, we aren't doing that. You know, like no. he, he's got. See, well, I we'll talk about that more later because Goto is a bet an easier kind of subject to talk about when it comes to move choices and how these Australian wrestlers are are changing, like match type like kind of things and stuff. I don't. Know, I'll get into it later. But um, next we have something really important to talk about, man. And this is this oh match is tremendous. It's also a battle for never open podcast supremacy. It is. Aaron Hanare, so many ways he can beat up a fucking legend versus Shingo, King of Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. uh, first of all, uh, just get out of the way. This is never as fuck. It strikes yeah. city. You know, they go to the outside and Hanare drags Shingo back in for more and more strikes. He gets a cocky pin for one. And Hanare says he loves Ska and the crowd is not happy. And listen, I got, we, we learned some stuff about this match and some stuff that happened in the crowd that I'll get to at the end. That's like awesome. And it's so great. And Hanari should be very proud of what he did here. So Shingo is in super cell mode as Hanari gets a submission for a rope break. And he's in such super cell mode that Kevin Kelly's like, man, this reminds me of when Shingo was selling the uh, money clip, you know, and how that move all of a sudden was awesome for one match, you know? So Yep. Uh, that's great. Shingo fires up and catches a kick. Yukon Lariat for a double down. And now Shingo loves Ska. So the crowd loves that. They don't want they don't want Hanare to admit that he likes Ska. So uh, there's a sliding D and Shingo <laughs> is stringing the offense together and it all looks awesome. It's a, uh, a top rope superplex, but it looks like a brain buster and it's scary. And a Made in Japan is countered by Hanari with a Berserker Bomb. There's a Samoan drop, and Hanari hit, hits a second rope senton for two. He he tunes up the band and goes for the Rampage tackle, but Shingo uh, stops him, and Hanari counters the counter with an ultimate exodus attempt. Um, there's a lariat reverse, a bunch of lariat reversals, and an insane uh, n like knee that just caves Shingo's face in. It's awesome. It's really well-timed, yeah. and he comes right back with a lariat for a double down. More strikes and more strikes. It's it's even more never now than it was before. There's a no Shigami, and that puts the end of the strikes for now. But then they just decide to go back to strikes. It's great. You, it's it's just amazing. Um, so Hanari he kind of snaps and starts to go crazy, and I'm thinking, man, calm down. But 
you know, I, I didn't want to tell him that during his match. But uh, no, he gets a gut <laughs> gut punch, a super kick, rampage tackle. It's over. No, just two. And then he locks in Ultima Exodus, man. And, and there's a Hangman GTR and a Made in Japan after. And Shingo just gets out of the of the Ultima, which is kind of a shame. I don't like that. If that I think Kanari so out, just let go. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, he tried. Yeah. Maybe he tried to do something else. I, I don't know. Because he does it against like Tama it. as well. Just he, well, go. yeah, that was a little more obvious. So we'll, we'll talk about that one. That was dumb to let go. But uh, it, at least it was a conscious thing, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. he gets uh, only a two count after that. Uh, and then there's a high knee in the corner and a running PK from Hanari for two. They trade insane headbutts, streets of rage, and Hanari just wins. And And these two were almost as stiff as it gets in a match such as this. I love this. And I was really excited for Hanari. I here's the thing that maybe people don't know about. They did talk about it on commentary the next night, but if you weren't listening, you missed it. And that is that uh, apparently as soon as the bell rang, like a good chunk of the crowd just got up and left. They didn't wait to hear Hanari's talk. They were just, because this is like Shingo's home perfecter and he lost. And so that's like, that's heat, man. Hanari, like I said, Hanari should be very proud if he got half the crowd to get up and just leave. That's fucking amazing. Good job. He, he beat a champion in his hometown. So I didn't I didn't show Charity the whole match, but I, I said, Charity, you got to check out the end of this match because it's fucking awesome. Now, when uh, Hanari does like that final like hammerhead headbutt before the Streets of yeah. Rage, Charity's like, what the fuck? And I was like, can you put that, can you slow that down? Did he hurt, did he hurt Shingo? And I'm thinking like, well, I don't think so, but you know, I'll put it on. So I put it on like 0.5 speed and she's like, oh wow, that was really well done. Cause you know, you slow it down, you can kind of see it better, but the way the angle was perfect, the impact, and of course uh, Shingo's masterful selling. Dude, this match was fucking awesome. This is the Hanare I want. Uh, he needed it's funny like you it's like it's almost as if beating Tanahashi isn't like the big rub that everyone kind of thinks it might it should be anymore because Hanare did it last year but then he proceeded to lose like every single match in the G1 so that that didn't really help him right well he beat Shingo in his hometown in the first round of the New Japan Cup man I'm gonna remember that that's that's fucking gnarly this match was never as fuck Oh, I loved it. It's like, this is my jam. This, this is my shit right here. Hanare's like uh, jumping knee into the corner. I don't want to take that move. <laughs> no, it looks scary, man. <laughs> scary, yeah. Scary, bloody good. His moveset has improved. He even like, uh, he even does like a hook kick at one point. It's like, I like uh, Osprey's kind of like uh, cheering him on and giving him pointers and, uh, and you know, and which is a kind of a, cool little story nugget because there's that rivalry between Shingo and, and uh, Will Ospreay, whereas like, I think Shingo's beaten him once, but it's really hard for Shingo to beat Ospreay. You know, everyone in New Japan's got that one guy. So if uh, uh, Shingo, uh, Ospreay is Shingo's Ishii, if we're talking Jay White terms, you know? Yeah. And uh, he, yeah, man, this he match... also broke Will's neck too, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're 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 good together, but they're scary good. Okay, it's like it's watching awesome. a Naito Bushi match. So yeah, man, this match was everything I wanted it to be. Uh, 
God damn. Panaro. I, I mean, okay. Like, so you watch this. You see what he's capable of. And you're like thinking, like, he's tweeting at us about the win of the Never title. He earns a match versus Tomatonga, the Never champion. You know, I mean, this has me a 100% behind Hanare. Like, I'm, like, watching this, and I'm fired up for his next match. I, I, I like, no offense to Hanare. I mean, or take offense. I don't care. I, I just, I never once have been like, what's Hanare going to do next? You know what I mean? Like, so this is yeah. uh, yet another booking storyline that's working. So, you know, I mean kudos to uh everybody involved here because and i mean obviously shingo played a huge role we noticed that everyone has a great match with shingo obviously because he doesn't have bad matches and he the pace of the match is really fast and and that's it was still very long you know but it was fast and so there's a you know we'll get kind of a, a dichotomy where we have a like a more traditional style new japan main event and then like want something like this on another night and it's fun to watch those back to back and to see two different kinds of matches but anyway i really like this night i thought in, in particular Agreed. the new japan cup matches were just tremendous yeah which is exactly how you want the show to be, right? You don't want it to be like uh, the previous night where you're like, yeah, we had fun, but um, kind of like the tag matches more. That's not where we're supposed to be. But uh, yeah, oh, these like these two matches were our shit. And I, I, no offense to Kyle Fletcher, uh, I didn't know he could be never as fuck. And I know like, there's one thing to do it in tag matches and stuff, but because but to to show me singles like suddenly I'm having like all right. Another person to add to my fantasy dream book list of future <laughs> never open weight champions. Well, Kyle Fletcher. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that dude, man, it's so great to see a tag team that also crushes it in singles matches. And that's kind of oh, what these fuck. two guys are. And like, it's wild, too, because I'm starting to think, man, I like I, I don't care so much about Dunkzilla as I do Kyle Fletcher now all of a sudden. And that also has to do with the fact that I watched the uh, Tamashi match as well. So, you know, kind of watched a bunch of his singles matches lately. And I'm like, okay, I'm opening my eyes to this guy. Yep. And I don't know. I, I, he's, he's 24 and he's this good. See, that's what they should be saying. They're 20, he's 24 and, this, and he's this good. Like, he's just going to get better, isn't he? Oh, fucking hell. He's just going to get better. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely it. Uh, and I know he's tall because, like, most wrestlers are, but I didn't realize kind of how tall he was until, like, I was like, holy shit, till I met him. And I was like, oh, my yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, he it's doesn't like look another, huge. another me to... is on my shoulders. <laughs> next to Dunkzilla, he doesn't look huge because Dunkzilla's no, huge. Huge. So <laughs> it's, it's like the first time. That's, that's one of the great things about these singles matches, too, is the first time you're seeing him in there with – you know, without Dunkzilla to balance out that like tallness. And so he looks like twice as tall now. It's crazy. Exactly. And maybe that's another thing like, like, like I don't realize how calm, how big Carl Fletcher is. Yeah. Because he's always standing next to Dunkzilla. Who's yeah. uh, like a monster. Like I reckon if I, if I was to do a, re, a, a wiki on uh, Dunkzilla and it turned out he used to play like rugby league or something or rugby union, uh, I would not be surprised at all. So, uh, yeah, there's that. All right, so we are we're half, halfway there, living on a prayer. 
should we do some <gasps> Ring of Honor? That's right. Our friend Ian has, of course, uh, sent in his thoughts on the most recent episode of Ring of Honor, the new show that's old. And uh, so we'll listen to those now. I hope you guys are enjoying these. These are always well thought out and way smarter than we will ever be. Hi, Luke and Andy. This is Ian with another Ring of Honor review. There's less overt New Japan presence on the show this week, although there's still two competitors from the New Japan Cup on the show, along with several guys who I think could do some good tours there. First up, Samoa Joe faces Tony Deppen. We already know how good Joe is, but I want to put in a few words for Deppen. He's smaller than Joe, obviously, but very good at finding a style of match that works against the TV champ. He's fast and agile, but equally he's skillful, getting Joe in a range of holds that both looked realistic and were tough to get out of. Unfortunately, fast and technical only works until someone savage and powerful slows you down. Joe did some effective demolition work here. Post-match, Joe makes an open challenge to the back, which is answered by Mark Briscoe. Excellent choice for an opponent who can mix momentum with credibility, and with Briscoe stepping back as tag champ, there's a ready-made story in him going for one of the few ROH belts that he and his brother never won. I know people may not have time for a two-hour ring of on a show each week, and I understand that, so I'm going to say that this week there were really only two things you needed to see. One is coming up in the main event, the other was the next promo, where Dalton Castle and his boys prepared for action. Castle is a masterpiece, intense physicality combined with effortless camp. He and the boys are pumped because they've been moving furniture all weekend. Heavy furniture. The match after this is a bit of a disappointment, a squash where they took on Cody Chun, Marcus Cross and Guillermo Rosas. That said, Cody Chun is someone to watch. He had a match at Defy recently that people are raving about, so hopefully someone starts to take notice of him. Next up, the Kingdom cut promos. Matt Taven calls people Melvins, and they state that they've literally won gold everywhere they've gone. And they have, everywhere apart from, you know, AEW, New Japan, WWE. No wait, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis both won the WWE 24-7 title, so obviously these guys are doing great. Up next, we see a team who for contractual reasons aren't going to appear in New Japan, and yet have a lot of kinship there. La Faccion Ingobernable, Ruchendralistico, face off against the Spanish announce project of Angelico and Serpentico, so named because they're the Spanish language announce guys on Dynamite. This match looks like it should be a squash, except that it turns out to be really competitive and a lot of fun. Serpentico is a fun lucha jobber, and his sequences with Dralistico are great, but the standout is Angelico. Often written off as just a high flyer and, frankly, deeply underused in AEW, Angelico is an excellent technical and submissions wrestler and remarkably tenacious in this match. He'd be a great opponent for a ZSJ or Chris Brooks type, and I hope we see that someday. Post-match, Roosh rips off Serpentico's mask. Poor guy. Glad he got his hands up to his face before we could see it. Anyway, I guess that's the last we'll see of Serpentico tonight. Amazingly, we actually get a women's match in the first hour of the show, and it's a pretty good one. Treshadora faces Billy Starks in a singles match. 
Billy is 18 years old and already a four-year veteran who has faced a murderer's row on the Indies and wrestled for a title in Corrigan Hall. She needs some time to still grow, but she is a natural and she is getting it. Trisha Dora, on the other hand, already has it, a world-class wrestler who hits like a truck and is about five minutes away from being a really big deal. The match is stiff and enjoyable, albeit with a slightly abrupt ending. Trisha Dora takes the victory, and I'd really like to see her go up for a title against... Well, we'll get to that. Next up, we have another squash, albeit one that includes one of my favourite gimmicks on the indies. Slim J and Ari Davari face off against Jake Christ and... Jake the Man Scout Manning. There is something about a perfect and simple comedy gimmick. Jake is a Boy Scout, only he's a man now, so he's a Man Scout. He reads a book on scouting as he gets in the ring, he has the Baden-Powell moustache and khaki shorts, I once saw Sonny Kiss hit a stunner on him and he saluted as he fell over. I've been talking about Jake Manning for longer than this match actually lasted. Post-match, Ari starts to insult the crowd, Metalik runs out to attack him and gets beaten down, and then Blake Christian runs out to save Metalik. Real meat and potatoes storytelling to set up a tag match, but meat and potatoes both taste good. The first of this week's title matches comes up next, as Wheeler Utah faces Timothy Thatcher for the pure title. If you like hard-fought grappling matches, this one is for you. It's a long match, taking up 12 minutes of the show, but it's really worth it. Lots of competitive spots, lots of strategic work to use up rope breaks, and a surprising amount of psychology. Thatcher comes into this match trying to bully Utah, and had he been facing against the Utah of a year ago, he probably would have been able to. But the ongoing story of the Blackpool Combat Club means that as Utah gets bullied, he bullies right back. Thatcher looks great, but this is really Utah's time to shine. And post-match is where we get one of the biggest chunks of New Japan content, as Yuta calls out the LA Dojo, specifically insulting Katsuyori Shibata in the process. This call is answered by Clark Connors, who challenges for the pure title, and that's absolutely great. That match is going to whip, and we continue the match-by-match story progression. Continuing the New Japan content, we get Aussie Open versus Rhett Titus and Tracy Williams. This is a great match with only one downside. The crowd do not know how the Aussie 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 chant goes. It's three Aussies and three Oys twice, then a single Aussie and Oi twice, then back to the three for the last one. Not complicated, guys. Anyway, this match is great. Davis and Fletcher are wild men. Reptitus is as good a wrestler as you'd imagine Shawn Michaels' skeleton to be. Tracy Williams is... I mean, he's there. And he's fine, but there's three people in this match who stand out. Aussie Open win, and I hope we get to see them fight for the tag belts sometime soon. Two matches to go on the card. Both singles bouts. Both titanic struggles. First of all, we get the hard-fought contest of Eddie Kingston versus Ben Deho? Pun name aside, this is Serpentico from earlier, who also wrestles as John Cruz, although he doesn't really wrestle for long. The match lasts just long enough for Eddie to hit some beautiful machine gun chops and then pin the demasked snake man. After this, he gets a mic and calls out Claudio, challenging for the title. Claudio comes out and gets a single great line, saying that the Ring of Honor title can't be won by a man with no honor. And it is a great line, except, well, 
I've seen the people who've held that title, Claudio. Matt Taven's held that title, Claudio. Michael Elgin has held it. Let's maybe not rule Eddie out of it just yet. I'm really pleased to see a women's match main event this show, and even more pleased to see this higher quality of match. The polite way to describe this match is that Athena wrestled Willow Nightingale. The accurate way to describe it is that Athena and Willow Nightingale kicked the shit out of each other for 15 minutes. God, this is hard stuff. Two women who can both work the power and both take a punch, putting on a match that felt personal to a room of people who cared who won. It's what we watch wrestling for, guys. I'll be honest and say this is the first match on any of these shows where I genuinely predicted the winner wrong. The booking makes perfect sense for Athena to win, especially with Yuka Sakazaki in the wings, but everything about the story convinced me that this was Willow's time. After kicking out of a gut-wrench powerbomb in a way that made the crowd gasp, Athena seals the win, but everyone in that building would have believed it if the match had gone the other way. On balance, the first week of ROH TV had better wrestling on it than this one. Not by much, but by a little. However, the second week was better produced and better paced, especially in its second hour, which was a string of matches that mattered. I was especially pleased that stories advanced and story beats from last week paid off to some extent. Plus, the production felt a little more crisp and cared about. It justified the investment of my time and my money, and unlike some wrestling shows, I'm pretty sure you guys aren't going to tell me off for saying so. Thanks, guys. And until next time, keep it honourable. God damn, Mr. Andy, I have missed the dulcet tones of uh, of Mr. Ian. So we've got dulcet tones of Mr. Ian, we've got the melodic tones of Drusifer Jones, and we've got, I don't know, what am I, falsetto sometimes when I get really amped up? <laughs> <laughs> We should, the three of us should start our own uh, acapella group or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, dude, well thought out, funny, articulate, and then I see Ben Dejo, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Eddie Kingston versus Ben Dejo is, like, all right, now I kind of got to see if I can catch that somehow. If there's, there's YouTube highlights or something like that, it sounds fucking hilarious. It is Serpentico or something like something like that too. So, oh man, he's uh, the yeah. I mean, I'm into it. <laughs> ben Dale. Oh my god. That yeah, reminds that's... me of the uh, so Alberto Del Rio's announcer was a wrestler in NXT before he became his announcer or whatever. And his, he was a masked wrestler and his gimmick was El Local, the local wrestler. <laughs> and that's what, that's, what, that's what Ben Dejo reminds me of. Obviously he lost every single match, but uh, that's, that's a tremendous gimmick. I can't believe I never thought of that, but uh, yeah, pretty cool to see uh, Billy Starks uh, being kind of like part of this opening roster for the new, uh, ROH, she is like basically the most prolific wrestler right now. Like if you count up all her matches, she had more matches than like anyone, uh, like during many time periods, if you start measuring like middle of last year or something like that. So, um, you know, she is out there doing it. She's also the daughter of one of my friends, uh, Mouse, the photographer, Mouse's wrestling adventure, really nice guy. I've met through going to independent pro wrestling shows 
And just an interesting story. So I used to go to all the Ring of Honor shows when they came here. And like before I was like kind of like in the wrestling community, the indie wrestling community in my area, I didn't really realize that like everybody kind of went to everything for the most part. So I, I remember going to Ring of Honor shows and then seeing those same people at other shows like at WWE or at a local show. And one of those people that I didn't know was at all those shows was Mouse and his daughter. And one time they were sitting right behind me at a show and I didn't know them yet. And so it's just wild. Cause like, you know, there's several friends that I have now that were at a bunch of those shows and I didn't know any of them at that time. That was when I was, uh, I didn't know anyone that was into wrestling and I just kind of went to the shows by myself and just kind of enjoyed them for what they were. So it's just so cool that she grew up a huge wrestling fan and, you know, grew up around it because, her dad was basically volunteering his time as a professional photographer for uh, any independent wrestling promotion that wanted him. And so that's translated into tremendous relationships with like a million people. And those are good people and they're doing it the right way. And I'm really, really happy for them as a family. And the fact that she just came back from Japan has already wrestled at Kurgan. I mean, like sky's the limit for her. And uh, I, I just can't wait to see what she does. Fuck yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. And, wow, here we are, living on a prayer, halfway there. We have night five at the Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium, but it has a better name than that because it's our team. It's Dolphins Arena, baby! That's right. That's fucking right, Luke. And there's only one building that's good enough for the greatest B-League basketball team ever to take the court. And I was thinking about that. As I wrote that, knowing it's true, and I thought to myself, I bet you Dolphins are so awesome, they don't play away games. Unless they're coming to, like, fuck you up on, uh, you know, Dream Shooter Jr., they don't play away games. You have to come to the Dolphins Arena if you want to fight, if you want to play them in basketball, which I think is a great gimmick. <laughs> Did you say baseball, then basketball? I'm yeah. yeah. What do they play? Sports ball. That's right. They definitely play sports ball. Uh, and uh, we start off on night five with uh, Oscar Lueb, uh, Toriano, and Tamatonga versus Grado Khan on the Cobb and Aaron Hanare. You know, actually, I, uh, I checked out the schedule for this night, uh, the, the night, the day before, and I saw Hanare was in the opener, and I was like, oh, shit, is he losing that Shingo match? Oh, shit. But no. Because usually if you're open, you, you lost the night before, right? I don't know. Yeah. I like uh, I like a spot here where Greater Khan tells Cobb to use his hips more when he's gut-punching Yano. There you go. Use the hips. <clears throat> then there's a, a nice-looking, like, little stalling suplex and then a slam onto Yano. Oh, man. Jeff Cobb just picking people up. Love it. Uh, Tamatonga tags in, and then he's, like, just drop-kicks Hanare the fuck out. Boom. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so nice little preview between uh, Tamatonga and Hanare. I'm looking forward to it, even though it's non-title. Uh, if you have the never title and you're in a singles match, it's a never match as far as I'm concerned, you know, in all but name. So I'm looking forward to that, which we'll talk about uh, on the last night. And, uh, yeah, you know, of course, Oscar Loeb is going to lose, and he loses to Aaron Hanare because they're, they're making him look strong, and I like it. It's interesting. Tomatonga kind of reverts back to Bullet Club 
Tom there, there at the end. He's like, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm going to fuck you up. He like, you know, he used to cuss a lot. He hasn't been doing that lately. So that's interesting. I wonder if that'll play a part in the match. No, I'm just reading into it. Anyway, so next we have uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Fujita, TMDK versus Bullet Club. It's ELP and Finley tagging together. Whose idea was this? this? Come on. This is tremendous, though. So El Fantasmo, he finds a sign in the crowd. And it's double-sided, and both sides are ELP signs, and he is losing his fucking mind. <laughs> he loves The fans it. know that. The fans know yes. that, that now. Ever since Kenta and uh, ELP caught a fan with a double-sided bullet club LIJ sign, the fans know now, just keep so, it one-sided or make two signs. <laughs> so ELP's, like, he's showing the camera, he's showing Gato, he shows Finley, and Finley throws it on the ground. <laughs> so elp walks up to the little kid wearing an lij hat can't be that same kid can it but he teases like he's gonna throw the hat but he doesn't you know um and we'll we'll hear from one of the wrestlers later who says he hates lij because you everywhere you go in japan someone's wearing an lij shirt so <laughs> i would argue uh bullet club's probably the same but uh anyway so TMDK, they attack while Bullet Club argues about who's going to start the match, right? So maybe, you know, can they get along? That story's going on here, but it's more interesting than that. Zack Sabre Jr. teaches the arm ringer snapmare wrist lock to Fujita. And Finley chops ELP to tag him in and sets ELP up for a back rake on Fujita. But that suplexes Fujita just to be a dick. And so he's not <laughs> letting ELP have it have fun, which affects ELP's game. Because that's part of his whole shtick, right? I mean, it's like before he started really coming out of his shell and doing the same thing with Ishimori and everybody kind of played in, you know, ELP was just kind of like a guy. And so, like, I don't know. All this stuff matters to him, and you can tell. So it's pretty great. It's also Finley, like, asserting dominance over him and just being a dick. So I like it. Um, <laughs> Finley keeps interrupting ELP's offense throughout the match, right? And then ELP gets mad, so he he tags Finley in by slapping him, and they continue to do this until it almost evolves into a fight. And Zack Sabre Jr. gets one of his crazy holds on ELP. Finley uh, comes in to break it up, but no, just like in the very first match we talked about today, he just cheers um, and cheers ELP on, like, "Oh, come on, you you know you'll, you'll get out," you know that kind of thing. It's pretty great. So, oh wait. But also, here's what happens here. So he tries to break it up. I'm sorry, that's a different match. We talk about a lot of matches. It gets confusing. I'm sorry. Uh, so he comes to break it up. But here's what happens. Zack Sabre Jr. has, like, legs and an arm hold on EL, uh, ELP. When, when <laughs> Finley comes in, he lets go of the arm hold, but he keeps the leg hold on. So every time Finley is, like, trying to break up the hold, it's hurting ELP. And Finley knows that, <laughs> right? So so then he is like, get, you know, getting being a shitheel to uh, ELP. But then Zack Sabre Jr. puts a stop to that by putting them both in a hold simultaneously. So that, <laughs> that spot was that amazing. Dude. It was so great. I really enjoyed that. So ELP, he gets set up for a sudden death on Fujita. But Finley tags himself in. And uh, they start to work together, and they do really well. And Fujita interrupts this cohesive moment with a dropkick and almost pins Finley, but Blue Thunder Bomb and Finley pins Fujita. Sorry, Fujita, you're you're garbage. And uh, Finley holds uh, the uh, shillelagh threateningly after the match while talking to ELP. All right, so I want to say it now, just in case I forget, uh, ELP's totally turning face, but he's also got like 
douchebag tendencies. So I know they're not a group that allows many outsiders in, but I figured maybe ELP's daddy is going to be like, hey, come join LIJ. That would be cool. What would you think about? Yeah. I feel like he has because he, he has their he, attitude already. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I mean, he would like he wouldn't have to change. Yeah, much. ALP would still be able to do his Rudo stuff, but now he'd do it in a face way because he's with Lij. That's that's what I'd do with it. Uh, well, here's my thing though: is that if you join an Lij. You have to come to the ring in a mask and you have to fucking be a secret guy for a little while. You know, that's how everybody used to join LIJ and then like fucking Teton. Well, he I'm did, just waiting. He did for, wear a mask. So, but. I'm just waiting for the, the group beat down on El Fantasmo and oh, he's getting his ass whooped. What's happening? And then and then ALP's daddy comes out. Oh, man, that'd be great. Dude, I, I know it's a little different for an LIJ thing, but I'd I'd go nuts for that. I, I really would. I know LIJ doesn't really run out for people either, but well, last on. week during the ELP Nido match, I don't think we mentioned it, but the crowd was chanting "Daddy" at ELP and chanting "Shingo" at him and shit like that. So they know all they all know all about that. So that storyline's fucking over, and that would be a good way to go. I like it. Yep, and I'd, I'd also say this is. That was probably one of my favorite tag matches of uh, of the whole thing. Probably because I love it when there's like the two guys don't get along. Tag and it's a knife edge chop <laughs> and shit it's like fun. that. Uh, next we have a, a really fun match. Uh, it's just four guys versus the House of Torture. Man, uh, here's something you couldn't do for the COVID era. So here's a no New Japan's back. Oh, we can actually do lots of whiskey spots now. <laughs> it, <laughs> And the only one who doesn't do a whiskey spot is Yujiro, because he straight up just like starts drinking it because he's like pimping ain't easy. Drink, drink, drink. That shit's oh, expensive. Man. <laughs> hey, this is a good bottle. This is a good drug. Glug, glug, glug. Also, I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get drunk. Is a... <laughs> it's it's really fun. Like I don't know, like kind of uh, i'm digging just for guys as this house of torture it's just it just seems like a really perfect match probably because they both teams lose a lot so it's a battle of the losers i guess but uh shock arrow on taka michinoku of course because taka's in the match that means he's losing actually charity was in the room for this and she, she was saying uh who who's who's gonna lose this match uh, is it taka and i was like oh you never know dick togo is also in the match so but no, <laughs> just i love that after the match evil steals taichi's microphone and uh kevin's like they should turn that microphone on because <laughs> like Kevin, evil's trying to sing out of it and stuff and it's not working <laughs> turn the mic on turn the mic on <laughs> well he works for you know taichi he knows the secret of the unplugged in microphone you know Oh, man. It's funny, too, because he steals uh, Doki's pipe, too. He has both of them, but then he just gives it back because he doesn't want to lug that on the bus and have to carry it to the next town. So... No, he does not. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> I also enjoyed this spot where um, basically Togo tries to do the uh, the um, uh, Kanemaru spit take spot, but he can't. He, you know, Kanemaru dodges it, knocks him down, double stops him, and then Do so Togo spits out the whiskey. They're finding new ways to make him spit out the whiskey in each match. It's pretty fun. So uh, 
enjoyed that. All right, so this next match. I kind of spilled beans on a couple things that I thought about this match earlier because I got it confused, but here we are. It's Leo Rush, Yo, and Ishii. Great team versus uh, the king of pro wrestling, Shingo, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi, a even better team. And uh, this is a fantastic match, and I'll tell you why. So the heavyweight start, and it's fast-paced, never style, until Ishii wins the exchange, and Shigo easily takes control on Yo, who tags in. And LIJ, they all beat up Yo and get a little fuck-your-leg-in on him, which is great. So Leo Rush tags in to save Yo, and Leo Rush turns this match into a juniors tag match for a good chunk of the match. Like, well, it's not just him. It's like the four juniors have themselves a little mini juniors tag match right in the middle of this match. And then it's sandwiched by two guys being never. So it's a really cool, like layer cake that we have here that I, I like it's all the food stuff. metaphors. So um, seven layer burrito, <laughs> whatever else you want to call it, but it's awesome. So Leo Rush, he takes a few really great bumps in this match. One, for example, uh, Hiromu, Hits him with the corner shotgun drop kick, and he goes flying into the fucking barricade or the the ropes or the corner or whatever it is. And then Bushi hits him with a tope, and he goes flying into the guardrail. And it's like, all right, this is what we want to see, man. And so Shingo and Inch and and Ishi they um, interrupt the junior tag match to get a nice long strong style reversal spot, ending with an absolutely monstrous lariat from Ishi or on Ishi. Excuse me, it was like an all Japan style lariat where it was real. It was crazy. <laughs> and then here we are. This is this crazy spin kick that Leo Rush hits that either was the most, like, either just clobbered Hiromu or was just sold in that magical way that some pro wrestlers can do. Man, I watched that, like, 20 times. <laughs> I, just, I, like, I loved it. Good. It was so great, man. And, uh, you know, because either way, it's fucking awesome. So, I mean, obviously, I don't want Hiromu to get kicked in the head, but it could be that he just made a little bit of contact and, and Hiromu just snapped his head. Just, I mean, it's just an incredible piece of wrestling. So Leo rush hits that a bottom rope springboard Phoenix splash to the outside in this match. So that's what we're doing. Uh, rush pins Bushi after his big splash. I love this match. Yeah. Yeah. We had the awesome fun story tag match. Uh, with uh, ELP and Finley. Then we had the fun, you know, whiskey cheat match. And then we had the awesome fucking huge work rate, fast paced, mega tag match. I, I loved it too. Not only that, like, as I, I know Shingo's probably going to feud with uh, Hanare next. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm watching Ishii and Shingo go out and I'm like, huh. I wonder, I wonder if Ishii's ever been in a dog collar match. And if he hasn't, because, you know, Stone People, can yeah. you put a dog collar on a man with no neck? So I feel on. like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that on. might be an Ishii stipulation if he was to ever do that. I don't think I've ever seen Ishii in a dog collar match. I'm sure someone can point, him, point out that whether I'm wrong or not. But, yeah. Oh, man. And, yeah, that was just fucking well, awesome stuff. Another interesting thing we didn't mention earlier about Aaron Hanare and his like kind of pro wrestling journey is that even when he was a young lion, when he wrestled Ishii, we, we took notice. Like it was like him and Ishii were just, you know, two kids out there trying to make it in the world. And then they met each other, you know, and in a match and it would just be magic and, and like, Nothing made sense with the other wrestlers, but with them together, it did. And I, I just always felt like that 
that was a magical uh, combination. Whereas, you know, you add Shingo to that group of just, he's just another never guy. And it's great to see that kind of stuff coming back. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Hanare is a never guy. Uh, and I'm okay with that. That's not the name of our podcast. So, hell yeah. So, uh, look, <clears throat> this is when, uh, speaking of Hanare, this is when Aaron Hanare comes out on commentary, and I guess he must have listened to you, Mr. Guy, because he sounds calm as fuck. He does. It's like, I don't know, man. It, this is so funny. I don't know if you had a blast listening to this, but it's like, he won't say anything. And Kevin's like, okay, I guess I'll just start asking him questions. And that leads to some decent information. But for the most part, it's like, you know, Kevin just trying to spin gold out of this, you know, situation. And Hanari's just like, I don't really want to be here. And I'm going to let you know. So by the way that Kevin, <laughs> Kevin very, very early on is like, dude, you can cut loose and have a good time. And, and, and I'm going to paraphrase Hanari. He's like, no, no, <laughs> no, he doesn't say, no, I will do this. He just says, no which is a whole different thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, really fun to meet in person. Great sense of humor. Awesome. Never wrestler shit on commentary. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Like, I don't know, man, uh, we've put him over heaps, but you know, we can't, I'm not lying. I'm not lying on the second podcast. Yeah. Plus it's pretty yeah, fun. So, so yeah. Anyway, so we our next match is Tomowaki Homa and the Fisherman. That's uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, and they're versus Aussie Open. That's uh, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher with the Billy Goat. And uh, yeah, so this tourney isn't over yet, and the commentators are mentioning it, tweeters mentioning it. I'm mentioning it right now. Aussie Open versus Bishamon is going to be fantastic. In fact, what? Hanma is getting some moves in on Osprey in this match. He's even face washing him in the corner. I'm like, all right. I mean, he's he's gonna lose, but uh, he, like uh, Osprey's letting him get a bit of uh, stanky offense in, and I'm like, all right, I kind of like it. Cool. But uh, <laughs> my favorite part of this match is the end, because Osprey's about to win with the hidden blade. He's taking his armband arm thingy off, and he's getting his elbow ready. Dunkzilla tags in. <laughs> He's like, no, I will win this. <laughs> and, and Kyle Fletcher's like, me too. Yep, I'm going to help. <laughs> Coriolis and uh, the Dunkzilla pins Tomohaki Honma. So really nice stuff. I think they almost, I uh, don't oh, know, maybe that's, is there another night which Tiger? Yeah, so it's the next night where they almost kick each other. In the face. So yeah, no, it, it, this, was, this was a lot of fun. I love this. It's, it was enough, another like really fast paced, like high work rate match too. And like, man, this is, this was a great night. Again, I will, I will elaborate on this more, but I, I'm telling you, man, there is a, there is an Aussie open uh, Australian wrestler effect going on. And it's, it's just so cool to see. Also, um, I was kind of surprised that Will Ospreay was able to kind of like, not that he's able to, but that he chose to do this like storyline thing with Dunkzilla subtly. Like he's he usually doesn't do subtle at all. Like he just doesn't even do it. But he sells this perfectly. Like you can tell he's a little pissed, but he knows this is his friend, so he's not like gonna act like an asshole about it. And it's like, but he is pissed. It's like that's not easy to do. Like he did a good job. So now, Luke, 
you know, if you guys are uh, new to the podcast, Luke, you obviously know this about me is I, I'm not a big fan of like looking at the card ahead of time. Like I just don't, that's just an extra step that I don't need, you know, unless I do for whatever reason. Like, so I didn't really know what was coming up on any of these shows as far as like, I figured preview tag matches and in new Japan cup matches, but this match here, what is, this oh, is crazy. Cool. So First of all, I get clued in that a big match is coming up because Marty Asami comes out, so I know something's going to happen. And then <laughs> here it is. This match is announced. It's Ren Narita and Shota Umino versus Okada and Tanahashi. How cool is this? This is such a treat and a great example of New Japan's like style of long-term storytelling. The young crop, what a crop, versus the current top guys, you know. And this is great. There's a subtle storytelling at the beginning that Ren Narita and Shota Umino act like they're not going to get along, like they're in competition with each other. But they're much more in competition with the guys whose spot they're trying to take. So they don't even look at each other, but they do have a plan. And their plan is to attack immediately and work well as a team. And that's what they do. So they get a bunch of shit in and they isolate the ace and beat the shit out of him. And, and like once the dream team kind of weathers the initial storm, it, then the the vets just turn full heel. I mean, and beat the shit out of these guys with a f- extreme prejudice. I mean, we rarely see heel Tanahashi. I mean, it comes out sometimes, and sometimes he does it versus another he or versus a heel, and it works great. But we rarely see him go this heel. And Okada is like happy to <laughs> do this. He is having a blast beating these guys up. So, for example, one of the things he does is that he keeps getting knocked off the apron. So at one opportunity, he has uh, he basically cheats, and there's even like a ref distraction. He goes the, out of his way to body slam both guys on the outside. <laughs> it's so funny. So this uh, match has these kind of like long beats of the youth team kind of, you know, being fucks and beating up the refs and, or the vets, and then the vets just basically doing it right back to them even better. And so it's no question who's going to win, but man, this finish, ah, it's so cool, but it's not, mm, something happens here. So uh, uh, leading up to the finish, we have Shota, he keeps knocking Okada off the guardrail, and uh, Okada gets in and just the shitty kicks at the back of uh, Shota's head, which is a sign of disrespect, and it's awesome. But uh, Shota just gets up from the holdy he had uh, had uh, Tanahashi in, shoots Okada in the ropes and hits a fucking drop kick, sending Okada flying to the outside of the ring. So it's all stuff like that. Every move, every comeback has a little extra story to it, a little extra fuck you, and it's really, like, heated. It's, man, this is like a long-term rivalry, and they've, like, never wrestled each other like this. So Ren and Okada are legal at the end, as the other two are kind of keeping themselves occupied, brawling for control on the outside of the ring. Okada hits two Raymakers, and Shota Umino, I think he botches, I think he fucks this up. So I think he's, like, I think what's going to happen is Okada is going to put on the money clip, and Shota's supposed to run in and break that up. Or Okada's supposed to go for a pin, and Shota's going to run in and break that up. But Okada's doing nothing. He's preparing to do something, and Shota just runs in and hits some really bad strikes on Okada. And it's just, that's the only thing this match that was like, oh, it's just, but it worked anyway, because basically, you know, what happens from here is Okada hits another Rainmaker. He, well, he, he, you know, beats up Shota Umino uh, to get him out of the way, hits another Rainmaker, pins Ren Narita, and then just to be 
extra dicks for no reason. <laughs> Tanahashi gets in. He deals with Shoto a little bit while Okada's finishing off Ren. And after the match, we get a two-post massacre on Shota Umino just because fuck you, youngster. It's really funny. The match was great, and it felt like something really special. Yeah, like, as soon as I saw this match, I was like, well, Tanner and Okada are going to destroy these two. <laughs> and that's kind of the point. Like, hey, oh, you're back from being young lions, huh? Not to Okada, you aren't. No. <laughs> yeah, Carter's going to go full arsehole and treat you like young young lions. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Uh, and Tanner feeds off what O. Carter's energy and is also a bit of a mega dick. This is like the future versus the now. Uh, this is a match that's going to be talked about for years in terms of like commentary and st- long-form storytelling. Like this is exactly what it needed to be. Uh, yeah. Just... What if, yeah, exactly. And it was a surprise, too, because Akata's on one of these shows? Oh, yeah. you know, he you know, wouldn't have blamed him if he took a month off, you know. But, man, this match was fucking awesome. Sure, it wasn't 100% perfect, but, hey, Shooter's just come back. He'll be fine. You know, he's going to tighten it up. It, it's, it, it works. Well, in a superficial way, too, it gets the Dream Team a win. Because they, you know, like on the surface level, they just lost a match. So that gets them a win. And if they're going to continue being a tag team, that helps them in the future, too. It's like it worked on every level. It was fucking awesome, man. And I did not expect it at all. So I was like, yeah. I was like, Doki. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So <clears throat> we're in Tournament City now. Uh, by the way, I think that's the first Dream Team win that I can remember as well. So, yeah. Because uh, Bullet Club used to kick their ass all the time and uh, Bishamon beat them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So here we go. We got uh, Tetsuya Naito versus chase owens i would say that this match is good but also way too long because i my belief in my brain is that naito should be able to beat a shaved chested chase faster than i can <laughs> beat kiyomiya luke so, did you hear you know, in this did you hear in this match henare is sitting next to kevin kelly and kevin says it like like fucking chase hits a move and Kevin Kelly says, one of the many ways that Chase Owens can hurt you. And I was right there. <laughs> <laughs> so many ways. <sighs> Do not contribute to commentary. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I, like, it took me a while. I'm like, wait a minute. Has Chase, Chase shaved all these? Yeah, why do I notice and why do I wait there? Yeah, I don't know. I watch way too much wrestling and I see a lot of shirtless dudes. So if I notice the difference, I notice the difference. Anyway, uh, Chase even like uh, there's a there's a part of this match that scares the shit out of me and does it even more so when Charity just jumps up because he almost does a Styles clash on the things onto Naito and it looked ooh, a little did, nasty. He did he did a second rope Styles clash to him. Yeah, it was countered out of the Frankensteiner. It was. Highly ambitious, but very slow and, and safe. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, part of me, part of my soul is forever upset and, and annoyed that Chase had racked up some big wins. Like, you know how Jay had his Ishii? Greater Khan has his Ishii, and it's <sighs> Chase. Chase beats Tanashi. I'm like, <sighs> but kudos to New Japan. They've kind of made him a threat. Now, did I think he'd beat Naito? No. But he fucking scared the shit out of us. C-Trigger, C-Trigger, Styles Clash, fucking, like, Naito. (laughs) 
Naito is almost like package pile driver. No, package pile driver even higher. Oh, and the crazy. crowd's like, oh, because like they've made they've made Chase a bit of a threat. So fine. I guess that's I guess that's better than just being our oh, Chase and he's gonna lose no time, no time at all. So I get what they were doing with Chase. It's just yeah, it's just Chase. But it's a really well wrestled match. It's it's really cool. I liked it. And uh maybe maybe a little too long. As I said, Naito should have beat him faster than I can't have beat Kimia, but it is what it is. Uh then there's a victory roll for the win as well. So uh you know, Naito winning just makes me feel like the universe makes sense again, and uh, there it is. <laughs> All right. It's well, a good we match, do... but the main event is much better. Okay. Well, I disagree with you, so uh, this, uh, <laughs> let me get into why. Um, this is a really smart match, like uh, Chase Owens versus Nido. So, like, it involves a lot of Nido selling, you know, and a lot of Chase getting heat, but he does it in, like, really creative ways, and this is, like, a southern fried new japan match it's like it's like um even hanari picks up on it that it's he's like oh that's something you'd see in like a a southern american wrestling show and like yeah this is this is like chase owens working his wrestling roots into a new japan match and he does it really well and it's like like all all this like moves have a little bit of extra there's a little bit of something to it you know that that is story stuff or is like a fuck you to naito um, a disrespecting him. Like he does his own version of the cap combination cap He does old school face holds on Naito, which is like, that's like the most wrestling thing you can do, you know? <laughs> and so like, I, I enjoyed that, you know? Um, I also enjoyed that when they did do crazy moves, it was very safe and like, no one's going to get hurt in this match. And, but everything looks very good. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I thought this was really smart and a really good match. It's like, it's cool too, because like Chase hits that Russian leg sweep into the guardrails. And that's like, that's when Kevin busts out the one of many ways, you know, and man, that was like, that was the beginning of the match where it was like, okay, this is getting good. I thought it was really good. It's something a little different. And uh, the fact that Naito just kind of pulled out the victory roll just to get the win and Chase, like, I got to give him props, man. He sold the loss like he couldn't believe it. Not he in crushed the, this match, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying not in the, like, way that Shawn Michaels, you know, is shocked after his, you know, uh, move that never gets a win doesn't, you know, somebody kicks out of it. It wasn't that, like, manufactured kind of, like, frustration. It was like he thought he was going to win this match. He thought he had it. And he lost it the last second, and it just stole his soul. <laughs> he is so mad. He did a great job, much like Will Ospreay did, selling, you know, what's going on in his. There's, like, some subtle stuff going on here. Um, also, at the beginning of the match, Kevin Kelly mentions a wrestler named Jason Kincaid, who is a tremendous wrestler uh, that no one's ever heard of. That's just one of these awesome guys that's kind of from the area that uh, Chase Owens is from. And I do have to tell you something just real quick about him. He has one of the most unique entrances in wrestling. He get, he's walks quietly to the ring and he stands in the corner on the top rope. Just he, the dude's gimmick is he has tremendous balance. So like all of his moves <laughs> have to do with balance. And so his entrance is just stands there. And I saw him one time in a tag match. that had like 10 people in it and he came out first and just stood there and people were like, the heels were coming out trying to, you know, jump on the mat, kind of, kind of get him off balance and stuff. And he just stood there with his arms crossed. Didn't say a word the whole fucking time. That guy's awesome. 
So uh, anyway, just got to put over yeah. an indie wrestler when you get a chance. But uh, that was good. All right. So you say that match was not as good as the main event. I have to disagree. The main event is Kenta versus Sonata. All right. So uh, this is something that you think is going to be awesome. And I just I don't know, man. It gets good, but it takes a while, dude. So uh, Hanari, I will give it that. It's like, OK, so first we got to clear something up with Hanari. So. Um, he's listening to Kenta's theme and he's like, man, I want to know what time signature Kenta's theme song is, is, is in, which means how many beats are there per measure? And, uh, he's naming, you know, odd time meters and it's kind of, I mean, I don't know why you would think it was in a time meter, but I have a guess. So an odd time meter, but it's in four, four Hanari. So that's standard, you know, standard time. But the reason maybe that you think it sounds like that is the syncopated three against two rhythm pattern, two quarter notes against one triplet. So, you know, that's why. But uh, anyway, this is, a, <laughs> this is a New Japan heavyweight main event match. So we are getting a long feeling out process, a long one. And the moves don't look very good at times. There's a very long section on the outside that's super boring. And I'm just like, man, maybe I was tired. I don't know. I was just not into this. Kenta takes forever looking under the ring, and it's just for a roll of tape, right? And this spot is just kind of dumb so like here's what happens he tapes sonata into the paradise lock while red Sue's just watching him all right and then he does some funny shit where he like he's acts like he's gonna kick him but for some reason red shoes is like no you can't do that only sonata can or something and so he would he'll like power walk towards him you know and fake him out like he's gonna kick him but he power walks towards sonata it's funny but uh eventually red shoes is like, are you okay, Sonata? And checks and then sees the tape. So he discovers the tape, all right? And and then his reaction to this is pretty funny because he starts, you know, he, of course, acts like he didn't see him tape him up, which is pretty stupid. But then right after that, he refuses to count a pin, which I always love, the crowd cheers, all right? And then <laughs> when, when Kenta bitches him out later for slow counting him, he just, he literally puts his hands over his ears just to let everybody know he isn't listening. So I thought that was really funny. So, all right. Sonata hits a plancha and he takes the ear point on a tour around the ring. It's all four sides, Luke. It's a four side match. So that was unbelievable. His face has started moving a lot more. Too, I know it takes a while, but he does start to, his face is moving a little bit in this match. So Kenta tries twice to bump red shoes and a third time, you know, gets it. He kicks the ref out of the ring, and Kenta gets a chair. Um, Red Shoes recovers in time to take the chair away, so Kenta retaliates by throwing Sonata into him. So that's the fourth ref bump. All right. Kenta uses the chair a bunch of times on Sonata uh, to booze from the crowd, and Hanari absolutely loves it, so good for Hanari. Uh, Shingo stands up on commentary like he's going to do something, but he's not. He's a good guy. What are you going to do? So there's a double stomp, and Kenta just completely overshoots Sonata, and it looks like shit. And he gets a two count. <laughs> like, what? So then he tries the GTS, and, but Sonata's still alive. So Kenta slaps the shit out of him and tries the GTS again. There's a very brief cold skull, but Kenta rolls around and turns it into the game over. And Hinari uh, loves that as well. And this is when he actually talks about moves, and it's good. And that's like Kevin's trying to lead him to water and he doesn't want to drink like the whole time. But eventually he's like, oh, here's this water over here. I'll drink it, which is him talking about the moves 
because he's great yes. at it. He's talking about everything that, that Kent is doing and what, you know, this subtle body movement's doing to this other body part. It's great. Do that. This will press so, on this part of your face and it really hurts because there's a nerve there and all this kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and he, as the, you know, ultimate weapon who knows, all, has all so many ways, he should know all that stuff about all these different moves. So thanks for sharing your knowledge. That was good. So uh, this match is, um, it definitely gets good towards the end, but it took a half hour almost and four ref bumps to get there. So uh, we get a low blow from Kenta and he gets the strong title. Um, it's not pointy on the edges like uh, like the IWGP heavyweight title. So uh, uh, there's a cold skull, but Kenta reaches up and hits Sonata anyway, but he's not out. Sonata meaning uh, he kicks the title up into Kenta's face and hits uh, his new move uh, for the win. Um, after the match, I think it was on this night, Kenta talks about how his, you know, title's better than the IWGP heavyweight title because it has less pointy edges on it. So you won't, you're <laughs> less likely to get cut on it. And Okada should be careful. I can just see Moxley, maybe, no, I don't think it's going to Imagine Moxley winning that title and he's stabbing people in the head with it. You know, so <laughs> you awesome. knew exactly. You just already laugh. Look. All right, I feel some of what you're saying with this match, and I would say that Red Shoes was not the best fit for this match. I And I like Red Shoes when he's doing the sassy, like, no, nah, I'm not counting that. You just hit him with the chair or something. I, I didn't see it. I know you did. No, nah, I'm not counting it. I'm not, like, I'm going to hug this chair in the corner. I'm going to get rid of it. When he's, when he's sassy, fuck you, Red Shoes, that's the Red Shoes I like. That's what works. When you're doing a match like this, when you need multiple bumps, you need the chump. You need chump. I reckon uh, Marty Asami would have been a better pick for this match, uh, for, for sure, in terms of refs. And, and I really feel, feel think like that for matches. Like, I really feel like, hmm, maybe that wasn't the right ref for this. Because, I don't know, I, I know we love ourselves some Marty Asami, but we rarely talk about how, and I think a lot of, Fans are probably like this, how we don't talk a lot about the refs. Uh, is, is it the right ref for the match? All this kind of stuff. That's not generally something I think about anyway. Well, you're not supposed to notice those guys, right? And when you do, yeah. something's not right usually, or they did something awesome. Yeah. So Red Shoes is, is the best when he's yeah, calling the big matches and he's like, all right. Like, I really liked his refereeing in the... Hanare Shingo match because they're using close fists on each other and Cobb's bringing it up and then Kevin's just like these guys are big beefy blokes who are going to punch each other and Red Shoes knows that so Red Shoes is just like you know what I'm going to allow it that's the kind of Red Shoes I think I like more than the I just got chomped out four times so I, 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 I can definitely see your point there uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I like. Uh, uh, part of me felt like when Shingo stood up and then did no, did nothing, I was like, all right, is Taichi coming out? <laughs> or are they going to save that for later on? Because I feel like Kevin's been teasing uh, or mentioning uh, the Sonata Taichi uh, history slash friendship uh, more than I've ever heard anyone mention it on commentary in all my years of watching wrestling. So I feel like there's <laughs> something there. It might be a bit more subtle than, oh, ALP's turning face big time. But I feel like there's something there that's building. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it because that's uh, well, generally 
what we both do sometimes, right? But well, I think, uh, I I think know, commentary, commentary's job is sometimes to explain what's happening to a character, right? And I think that they're trying to exp- he's trying to explain why Sonata suddenly has a personality and he's giving the credit to Tai Chi for, you know, putting the fire under his ass. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. You, you might be right. That might be all it is. But, uh, yeah, here's a Sonata win where I'm actually not even mad that Sonata won at all. And I love Kenta. Uh, but, uh, look, I, I'm already... See, in my brain, I've already moved past Kenta in the New Japan Cup to Kenta, Kenta Suzuki. Like, that's where my brain's at with Kenta right now. That's fair. So... So when he lost this match, I wasn't like, fuck Sonata. I was just like, cool, now we can go to America and wrestle Suzuki. <laughs> so, I, I got you. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, this is not a win that I wasn't mad about, everyone. You heard it here first. <laughs> it was a match Andy thought so. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just didn't really care who won. I didn't really care what was happening. And like I said, I just... I don't know why we got to do all that, you know, shenanigans. It's just, it just seemed like it was a little too much. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, it's not like Red Shoe do, doesn't have his own like summer camp where he teaches people how to bomb. So Chumpy does. Yeah. So that's right. Saying. Maybe, um, maybe Red Shoes has been vis- visiting uh, Chumpy's Chump Bum boot camp. Uh, he gave him like, like 20 bucks when Chumpy was looking for investments. And, uh, you know, and, and Red Shoots keeps asking for that 20 bucks back. Let me just, uh, oh, uh, it's just, uh, I left it on the bus. And then next thing you know, the tour bus just goes to the next town. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. So here we are. It's night six. It's the Shiga Prefectural. All right. Yeah. Whoever fucking names this. these things needs to be fucking fired big time. Cause <laughs> this one's the big great. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it to you, man. Take it away. <laughs> Look, we're at the Shigo or Shiga Perfectoral or Perfector. I got to start again. This is terrible. It's so like bland. I'm falling asleep while I'm reading it. So <laughs> it's, it's the Shiga Perfector Cultural Industry House Event Hall. Oh, dude, you even missed out a fucking word. It's the cultural industry community. Industry house. Jesus Christ, there's too much. It's too much. It's too much plan, man. I, I couldn't get through it, so I need some salt and pepper <laughs> on those words. But uh, anyway, oh uh, the, Shiga is a per- picturesque area set against the Ibuki Mountains that is traversed by two lake Biwa tributaries. And uh, there's a couple rivers there as well. It has long been an important economic hub between Kyoto, Osaka, and Kobe, and Nagoya, a couple other regions too. Consequently, the area is a storehouse for many historical treasures dating back to the Warring States period, such as the uh, Nogahama Castle, the Odani Ruins, the Haganji of Haganji on Shikabu Island, and the 11 headed. Uh, Kanan of Doganji. So all those things are there, Luke. So you know it's important. And uh, So all those things are around <laughs> this place, and yet they name it the Cultural Industry <laughs> House Event Hall. Name it after one of these beautiful landmarks or something. Holy crap. <laughs> Hell! 
Name it after, even if it was just the soy, what was it, the soy, soy riso, what was that soy thing that they got? Or what's the cleaning product that they advertise? Name, oh, yeah. Oh, At this point, I'd be happy if Japan just names it after, like, you have this in America too, right? Where an insurance company or some lame-ass company oh, yeah. fucking puts their fucking name theses all over a stadium. Man, <laughs> even that might be better than Cultural Industry Community House Event Hall. Yeah, I mean, some of these venues have awesome names. It would be great if it was the Shiga Little Palette. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. All right. So let's <laughs> let's do it. We've got Hanma and Oscar Lubi. Oh, man, I'm going to get that right one day. Versus Rio Iwa and Ren Rita. Now, there's something weird here. So uh, Ren, Ren Rita's got Oscar in this hold, you know, where you push down on their thighs and it kind of pushes out the hamstrings and stuff. But the only problem I have with him doing that move on Oscar is Oscar's got fucking arms that are bigger than my body and he could easily just fucking club him around the head, like fucking boom, boom, but he's the young line, so he can't do that. So it looks really weird seeing a guy that size doing young boy stuff because... He looks like he could beat most people up, but I've mentioned that before. So yeah, it, it's still weird. You could just yeah. Yeah, Homer, Homer and Iwa, it's kind of stiff as well. They're, they're beating the shit out of each other these two, and I don't like it. So uh, there is that. You know, he was gonna show fire because he's a young lion, and and that's pretty much like his job description: show fire. And Homer's just like taking issue with that, just stiffing back a bit. It was great. I liked it a lot. And then, calm uh, down, kids. Yeah, <laughs> fucking calm down. Curtain jerk, get out of here. It's it's Honda time. Uh, and then uh, Oscar, and then uh, Oscar taps to uh, Ren Narita's figure four. Yeah, he didn't brab him out. That was nice of him, you know. Uh, even though Oscar tried to brab Ren out, <laughs> he didn't return the favor. So anyway, but uh, next we have uh, TMDK. It's Zack Sabre Jr. for Gina. This uh, this like whole. Just tagging with Zack Sabre Jr. is doing a lot of great that we're going to see down the line for Fujita, too, by the way. And they are wrestling Shota Umino and Yudo Nakashima. And this is a preview tag match for the second round New Japan Cup match of Shota Umino versus Zack Sabre Jr. So the two names, of course, start the match and they do some wrestling. It's very good. And then the Young Lions get in and they're like, hey, you guys are wrestling and kind of taking it easy. We're not doing that. And they just start beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, they need to calm the fuck down. This is ridiculous. They're going so hard. It's like, yo. And Nakashima, he attacks Zach for trying to cheat. And so Zach just is like, oh, I, I remember that you have a broken arm. So I'll fuck your arm up. And he fucks his arm up. And it's great. And the young lions fuck each other up over and over again. The stuff between Zach and Shoto is really good, too, of course. And uh, Shota grabs out Fujita, and and uh, Zach gets in and hits some shitty kicks on Shota, and Shota knocks Zach out of the ring and puts a single leg grab on Fujita, and then transitions the SDF for the win. I thought it would have been funny if he just would have single leg grabbed him. That would have been funnier. But Zach and he shit talk after the match, and it's it's probably going to be awesome. There's one thing I really appreciated in this match. All right, there's a botch. And it's Zack Sabre Jr. Irish whips Yuta Nakashima into the guardrail. Only the cameraman is in the bloody way. So by the time Yuto 
by the time cameraman moves out of the way uh, fully and Yuto hits the rails, the impact isn't as like strong as it should have been. <laughs> so rather, so looks like Leo Rush. <laughs> yeah. So rather, so Yuto rather than be like, ah, oh, hit the railing, ah, oh, fuck, ah, oh, fuck. No, he's like, oh, I didn't get all of that. So he comes back and he hits Zack Sabre Jr. And I'm like, good work. Nice, nice. Uh, look, it's a botch. But Young Lion had the uh, foresight to be like, I'm not going to sell this. I look like an idiot. And then just come back and hit Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack Sabre Jr. can just like take take control again. Really like that little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's it's like a, the cameraman being yeah. in the way was like a lucky stroke for uh, Nakashima. And he took advantage of it. And then Zack Sabre Jr. recognized it. It was like, fuck that. You know, so I, that's just good wrestling, and this is the kind of things these little things these guys learn in the matches. So I don't know, I liked it. Uh, yeah, same. Luke, next we so have much. just four guys versus. Hey, you oh, just wait. did that match. I'm sorry, my bad. I'm excited. <laughs> it's Kenta's birthday. I'm excited. I'm excited too. It's just four guys versus David Finley, Al Fantasmo, Chase Owens, and Kenta. And I like that Tucker dressed up for. Uh, did Kenta order a stripper or a flasher for his birthday? Because, uh, well, you were wearing Taka Michinoku. It looks like you're about to do something naughty at the park to unsuspecting ladies. This is, uh, he's been doing this for a while now. This is kind of <laughs> like he, he, he flashes the crowd when they say his name, but he's got gear on. And I don't know if he knows this, but now his gear also, it says just tap out, but it also says you're, you already die as well. So, I love that. Uh, he's just going to open his jacket and show everyone his uh, big swinging uh, just tap out dick. So there That's it is. Right. It is Kenta's birthday. The birthday song plays. And it finishes. By the way, my favorite part of the birthday song playing is when uh, when it goes, happy birthday to... And then Kevin on commentary is like, dear Kenta. <laughs> and then, then, then the, the happy birthday song finishes. Nice work, Kevin. I really like that. Uh, and then, like, just four guys. All right, the song's finished. It's the time to attack. And <laughs> Doki's Fuck double stop. Kenta's back straight away. Oh, my God. Kenta, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Taka gets, like, El Fantasma in a crossface as well. And uh, Finley's like, yeah, man, that's a pretty good crossface. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. He's like, go, Taka, go, go, go. <sighs> I don't know. Sometimes things take a little while for me to, to warm to, or maybe something takes a while for me to click, see Grado card. Then other times things just like work for me straight away because I'm loving this David Finley heel turn stuff. Like, I don't know, he's like, it's like a switch flipped in him, different persona, different look, but fuck, it's working. He plays a really good douchebag. Like, I, I, I'm digging it. Uh, as, as a face, is he a great in the ring? Yeah but kind of didn't really stand out as a face. As a heel, especially with Gato behind him and stuff and all this story stuff, it's fucking fantastic. And uh, we we wanted something to be done with Finley. They're doing it, and I'm so happy that it is fucking awesome. And, hey, uh, Kenta doesn't have to lose on his birthday as well, so there's another birthday <laughs> present right there. Uh, thanks, Taka Michinoku. Because... <laughs> uh, ELP does hit him with the sudden death. So, uh, you know what would have been funny, though? If uh, ELP hit Taka with the sudden death and then Finley made the save. Yeah. <laughs> and then pinned Taka. Maybe they'll do and that in another match. <laughs> he acts like he doesn't know why he did it. He just, like, looks at his hands. 
like why well, don't know <laughs> actually that's the elp spot that should be his spot so uh but yes yeah this maybe. uh they did uh backstage comments together uh you know uh finley i guess it was on the previous night and uh you know finley gato and elp and elp's like he's just saying to gato i don't trust him I don't, I, this guy was not part of our plan. This is, and, and Gato says something telling. He says, listen, he says, Bullet Club needs the rebel for now. So, but then again, I don't know if that is kind of like when Taka Michinoko says, like, Taka Michinoku says, like, we are good from now. You know, I don't know if that's like, you know. But we're going to do big things in the future. All right. I don't, well, I just saying, I don't know if it's a mistranslation where he means, going forward or if he means hey listen this is temporary so there's kind of you know it's it's all kind of up in the air and elp like in the in the backstage thing he kind of calls out finley like for looking like a dumbass like dyeing his hair and all that shit and he's like look at yourself man (laughs) like it's pretty great so if anything the guy with a mullet but anyway (laughs) right yeah and purple gear and a light up jacket and just constantly makes himself look like a douchebag. But like, if anything, I like this story because ELP is the main character protagonist in the story. And I like that. So this is, uh, this is good stuff and it's helping him with, with whatever comes next. So I can't wait to see what it is. And I hope it's something interesting. So anyway, well, next we get another great match is a kind of a pattern going on here with a lot of these tag matches. They're all pretty good. We get will, uh, Osprey, Dunkzilla, Mark Davis, and the great oh, and Ocon on the cob versus House of Torture. All right, uh, Bullet Club they attack before the bell, of course, and Will catches a case of ring postitis from Bullet Club. Ouch, that's painful. So <laughs> Jeff Cobb has been reading our fantasy dream book, and he stacks House of Torture up in the corner and hits like the running like you know splash thing. But then Kevin Kelly makes my dreams come true and calls it the big squisher. And I just fucking marked out because that's like, <laughs> so funny. That's what Kevin Nash used to call that move. He called it the squisher. And so uh, it's funny that he not only stacked all of House of Torture up and hit him with a big squisher, but then Kevin called it out. Tremendous. So that was awesome. So uh, <laughs> that made me laugh. Jeff Cobb suplexes show and Pimpy at the same time and evil Dick, they come in and double T double tag uh, Cobb and Togo thinks he can box his way out of being the other legal man in the match versus Cobb. And it doesn't work. (laughs) So uh, there's a funny part too, where, you know, Cobb is trying to go to the corner to tag in. Uh, I think will, I think he's trying to tag will in or great Ocon, excuse me. Uh, And, and so Dick Togo in desperation grabs his leg. And we get the like, you know, Dixie Carter, you know, uh, holding on to Hulk Hogan's leg as he leaves the impact zone. It was like that it's because Kev Cobb just decides to walk to the corner anyway and just drags Togo with him over there <laughs> and attacks an great Ocon. And fucking, you know, of course, we get some fun, you know, begging from uh, from uh, Togo. That's awesome. So I like that. Togo uses the garrote on great Ocon, but um Great Ocon uses his super taped up super fist or super hand to break out of it. And everybody's in the pool. Uh, Will Ospreay and Davis. So they had kind of had a few issues in matches where they are accidentally hitting each other. So in this match, they, they tease it once they tease it twice, but both times they avoid it. And then they kind of shrug their shoulders and team up to hit Coriolis together. 
and Great O'Conn gets the pin. Wow. You know, United Empire, they're great guys. They like each other. You know, they're, they're really, they know how to handle a problem. And uh, I, I really got to say that, especially in the singles matches, the guys that are on the outside that are in United Empire, there's a lot of these nights where two United Empire guys are in, on the card in singles matches. So the whole United Empire is just out there, the whole, for both matches. And man, they add so much to the match. And you see it in their own matches as well. I don't know. I love those guys. I think that they're going to have a big year. Yeah, agreed. Look, uh, there's this one spot you didn't mention. I don't I think you mentioned I don't know. But my favorite is, is like, I like how House of Torture, yeah, sure they cheat. But like how they also try to f- figure out new ways to cheat or add a layer to their cheating. And one of them was uh, Evil's got Kent Asato and he's pointing at Kevin saying that Kevin's doing something fucky over here. <laughs> And Kevin's yelling at Kent Asato, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm commentating the match. Get look at the rig. Look in there. And Evil's like, don't listen to him, man. Like, like fucking look at this shady motherfucker here on the commentary. Kent's reaction <sighs> is he he listens to Evil. And then when Kevin talks to him, like yells at him, he goes, he acts like, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Don't yell at me. I'm a ref. I'm an <laughs> official. <laughs> Oh, it's another little nice spot there. So uh, very creative. Uh, so uh, he's like, oh, I went to the Arbe spot on Kevin, but there's got to be a way to kind of fuck with the English side of it as well. So yeah, he figures it out and it's it's fun. So uh, next week. Pops, you know? <laughs> oh, hell no. Dude, they freaked out that time Doki jumped over him. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> well, Chris Charlton would fucking turn into dust. <laughs> He's just a little guy, man. Oh, yeah. But, uh, dude, he's probably about my height and half the weight. So, man, I wish I was half my weight. But anyway. <laughs> maybe one day. Anyway, maybe one day. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we have uh, Tomoru Ishii, Toriyano, and Yo, uh, and Yoshihashi, and Rush versus all of LAJ. So Ishii and Shingo start us off. It's never magic every goddamn time. This is great. But uh, the next uh, match that happens makes me feel like uh, Shingo's next opponent might definitely be Aaron Hanare, and I'm more than okay with that. Uh, as long as whoever wins that, I don't know, maybe I want to see what Ishii will bring to the stipulations. Uh, something yeah. in Dogcom. I want it. it. It's great preview stuff. Uh, it Like big man slapping me. Always love that. Great stuff with Rush and Hiromu, and uh, man, just listen to it. Listen to our show just over a month ago. I'm like, really? This is the feud? Really? Now I'm just like, fuck yeah. It's going to be fast-paced, absolutely insane. So, yeah, hook that up to my veins. Fucking Naito uh, trolling Yano uh, is just, I love it. I really do. Uh, so uh, Naito's not falling for any Yano shit either. And there's uh, more Shingo and Ishii stuff. Come on, man. Just fight forever. I'd, I'd love that. Victory roll on Yano by Naito. And um, I, you know what? I know for years, like from for years, Yano losses were rare as hen's teeth. This year, though, oh, Yano lost again. Okay, cool. It's his turn. It's his turn to lose, yeah, man. I, yeah. I, guess, I guess so. It's a, there was this really weird like moment at the beginning of this match where everybody's standing in the ring 
they're waiting for, you know, LIJ to do the fist bump thing, you know, and Yoshihashi just walks up kind of like towards LIJ and kind of claps his hands like, let's get this going. And they all simultaneously stop what they're doing and just stare at him for like 20 (laughs) seconds of silence. And even the ref, even Chumpy's in this match, is ref in this match. And even he stops and just starts looking at Yoshihashi. And so when this like, this like uh, trance is snapped, you know, it, the crowd's just like, oh, that was great. They all laughed about that. That's <laughs> really funny because LIJ was just like, who even are you? <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yes. All right. With the next two matches, I really want to hear your Aussie effect thing. So do yeah. you want to cover Goto Fletcher? Sure. Because you haven't really mentioned that yet, and I don't want you to forget because I'm I'm kind of like, all right, I want to see what he's going to bring here. All right, yeah. sweet. Well, we get Jeff Cobb back on commentary for the beginning <sighs> of New Japan Cup second round matches, Luke. He's the dude that doesn't need to be told, hey, you know, uh, you're allowed to have a personality on here. Uh, <laughs> because... Uh, that was maybe a little harsh, but you know you've got um, Cobb. He's, he does the giggles when something looks like fucked up, awesome. Like uh, I lo- I love that. By the way, it's the, it's like that kind of laughter where you're not laughing because like someone got hurt and stuff. It's like holy shit, and then you just start laughing. Oh, Milano does it all the time, and I fucking yeah, you're la- oh. you're laughing because you're experiencing fake violence in a way that's so artful it it causes joy in your heart. That's why. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. Damn straight. All right. So we have uh, the never open champion, Tamatonga versus Aaron Hanare. And shit, that preview match where uh, Tamatonga's like, I'm going to drop kick you the fuck out as soon as we're in the ring. Tamatonga is just like, maybe I should start out my never match. Like, it, oh, I know it's not a never match, but you know what I mean? My match like this with Aaron Hanare. Because he just jumps up and does a crossbody off the top rope straight away, throws Hanare out, plancher. I'm like, all right. There's a a bit of fighting going on on the outside, but Hanare rolls him back in because he wants to beat the champ in the middle of the ring. I like that. Uh, I like uh, that uh, before the tongue and twist happens, Tama puts some extra kind of stank on it, just starts clubbing the shit out of Hanare's chest first, then hits it. Oh, my God. This is great back and forth here. I probably like the Shingo match more, but I really like this match, too. There's, like, a DB, especially, like, the finish doesn't go my way in this match, but I really like it. Uh, There's a DVD bomb and a Supreme Flow, Berserker bomb by Hanare, modified heel hook by Hanare, and, and like, the commentators are going on about it. No, is that a heel hook or something else? And Cobb's like, I don't see it from that angle, but the way he's got it, yeah, it looks like a modified heel hook. Man, the commentary is on fire for this match too. Fucking rampage tackle reversed into a sunset flip. Uh, Valeno by Hanare. Then Tama hits like a, a brain buster. Hanare finally hits rampage. Oh my god! There's a gun stun into an Ultima, which looks really cool. But there's and I think this is part of the story because he's done it twice now. All right, the first time he let go of the move and it worked, it got him a win. All right, you can kind of be like. All right, like Kevin said, I didn't. I, I thought that was a mistake, but then he won the match, so maybe it wasn't. You know, with uh, letting go of the Ultima, so he did it once. Shame on us, but because he won, he does it twice. Uh, shame on him, because he does let go of the Ultima, thinking Tama's all fucked up. But uh, whew, he tries for the Streets of Rage. No, 
he, he goes, he hits that hammerhead headbutt again, goes for the streets of rage, but he, but then fucking gun stun. I think he needed two gun stuns to, to pin Hanare. Man, this match was really fast. And these two did like a shit ton of big moves on each other too. So no complaints here. I, I'm going to put another stamp on this too. Awesome. Yeah. That's exactly what I want from my never champion to come out fucking all guns blazing, fast paced, brutal, stiff looking, awesome moves. Tama did it. I have to admit. Cool. Uh, did I did a part of me want Aaron Hanare to win to maybe set because in my fantasy dream book I'm like I'd like Ishii versus Shingo and all that's going on. Let's have here Tama Tonga beat, beat uh, lose against Hanare, but it didn't happen. However, with a finish that cool and like. Hard hitting. Like I'm not going to complain. This match was great. The finish was incredible, incredible. Yeah. And this match, like, you know, obviously there's something to be said for a more realistic style than the average wrestling in New Japan. And this match had some really neat touches to it, where like Tama looked like he lost control of his body a few times during the match, like when he's falling through the air on some crazy like back body drop reversal thing that, you know, Hanari's doing in reaction to a gun stun attempt. And it's awesome. The headbutt to um to Tama Tonga looked incredible. It looked it made a sound that was like he headbutted him in the like solar plexus and we heard like a hollow sound it was like it's yes. unbelievable man i think and, they're calling it the hammerhead which is a really cool name because there is a spider-man yeah. villain called hammerhead who oh, yeah okay. okay and comic books equals cool nowadays so that's what we got but um he i, I i'm just kidding but this it's also great because i i feel like that there's a subtle thing in this match that's cool where Hanari's hitting Tamatonga harder than Tamatonga hits. Not that that's hard to do because Tamatonga is not really known to be like a big hard hitter or whatever. So, but at the same time, that's like a concerted thing. It's obvious in the match that is something that's intentional that, you know, when he kicks, when he strikes, it's way harder than Tamatonga. It's almost as if he's saying, Hey, I'm way more never than you. And I'm taking that fucking title and renaming that goddamn podcast too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was really disappointed that he lost but that finish was so fucking cool. I mean, you know, so just kind of go over the finish real quick. It's like Hinari tries to transition to Streets of Rage from the from the Ultimate Exodus, right? But Tama Tonga turns into a gun stun, and he turns around to celebrate, but Hinari's already back on his feet due to his, like, yes. in, his, like, high T or his high fighting spirit or whatever. And so Tama is like, oh, it just, but he doesn't, if that was a spot in WWE, he would have sold to all four sides, you know, and then hit the gun stun. But no, Thomas sees it. And it's like, oh, fuck. It runs over, hits the gun stun immediately and wins. Boom. And, I like uh, that, I was, too, because. That was a great finish. All right. He just popped up from my finisher. I'm not going to fucking dawdle and parade around. Uh, i got to right. hit that shit again right now. So because he was, you know, he got up, but he was stumbling around a bit. So, yeah. Uh, I took a lot of notes, but I didn't quite uh, work in the, uh, uh, that that little part of the finish. But fucking hell, uh, don't between the Tamatonga match and the Shingo match, hey New Japan, you got something with this uh, this this young kid Anare? Build on it, please, because uh, oh man, <laughs> I want to see some more never matches style matches with this man. He's crushed it, and. 
Tamatonga? No. Yeah, he knows he doesn't have that kind of stiff style that maybe Hanare does. So he just tries to outwork him and, and just you know, do the reverse and things like that. It just really worked. Different. It, it's a different match than the Shingo one. But, man, pretty good. And who's, who's the common denominator there? It's Hanare. So there must be something yeah. with this guy. It was speed versus power a lot, you know, and yep. like I, there, like that that DVD bomb, man, that was such a cool spot because Tama's taking heat, right? And he starts one of his high his comebacks with that that uh, that uh, DVD bomb because Hanari's coming with one of those elbows that he hits that you kind of like a pinpoint elbow to the forehead or whatever type deal, and so Tama ducks it and uses the the momentum created by Hanari that doing that strike to get him up on his shoulders and go over for the DVD bomb. There's a lot of really smart stuff in this match like that that was like, wow, this is really good pro wrestling. And, you know, one of the reasons why New Japan works is because it's filled with guys that can step up in big spots and just be absolutely believable. And so Hanari is officially one of those guys now. He's been that way for a little while, but this is really putting him on the map as far as like one of those just another New Japan guy that's awesome when he gets the spotlight and holds it down in the meantime. So, you know, I don't know, man. It's uh, these shows are really good, by the way. And yeah. having the crowd, the crowd back, the, you know, cheering the, you know, here, here's an example of what I mean. Like some wrestlers are just super excited for the crowd. Like it, great O'Conn. He hasn't really wrestled for cheering crowds much, you know, except when he was in, you know, the UK and when he was a young lion. So he hasn't had that opportunity for years. So he is like every opportunity trying to get the crowd behind him and doing all kinds of fun stuff. It's fun to see the excitement in the eyes of the wrestlers and it translates into the uh, fans as well. So it's funny too, because these shows have been so good that as best you and I have been able to do to kind of plow through the tags, uh, they've been kind of great. So <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's still lots to talk about, you know, as an important shit that, you know, story stuff to cover, which is what you want. So I don't know. They're they're really, you know, firing all on all cylinders after the little break, you know, that Fantastic Mania is, and you expect nothing else from the New Japan Cup. And next, Luke, we have our, you know, main oh, event here. It's another second round match in the New Japan Cup. It's Goto versus Kyle Fletcher, Fisherman versus Aussie. And uh, it's United Empire ringside. They stay ringside because obviously the next match is also <clears throat> got their guy in it and Godo I noticed has burger wrap on his lower back and I remembered burger wrap and laughed so that was funny um <laughs> okay this match is fantastic and like I'm going to tell you all about it and stuff but <clears throat> maybe I should go into it now this what I'm talking about this like Aussie effect that's happening is that if you watch this match in particular it's a really good example like Godo's move choices are different there's a, he does a lot of different things in this match. And like even the facial expressions he's making are different. And it's like part of it is there's a young guy in there that is like more athletic than him and is up and coming. And he's got to, you know, make sure that he's above that level. And so he's going to do all kinds of crazy shit and, all you know, show these people that he can do just as much and better than what Kyle Fletcher can do. That's one part of it. The other thing is there's these Australian wrestlers that keep showing up in new Japan. Right. And they're kind of good at everything new Japan needs them to be good at. 
already. They're they're like pre-made. They're already there, you know. So you get them in the ring with someone like Goto, and Goto is inspired artistically by the Australian wrestlers. And so the Australian effect is taking old stale Goto, and you know, all of a sudden he's. I'll talk about one of the moves he did in this match that was like, what in the fuck is happening? And we've seen it consistently. And so it's not, it doesn't happen with other wrestlers from other countries. It's like a, it's a Australian thing. And I think that after watching the Tamashi matches and some of the stuff I saw there, I was really impressed with the amount of like important things that, that Aussie wrestlers are good at that usually take guys years, you know, like, like a lot of guys kind of specialize in one thing or they're good at a couple things. You know, whereas the Aussie guys seem to be great at all of the stuff. And and here's another I'm, I have a lot to say about this. So get ready, folks. But here's another thing that I find very interesting is that like. Normally, you have a flippy type guy or, you know, a heavyweight that kind of tends toward flippiness and, and bounce, you know, bumping around like a maniac like Kyle Fletcher from the United States. And they're going to be a junior heavyweight style wrestler. <clears throat> that's the style of wrestler wrestle emphasis on junior, right? Whereas I think that the Aussie guys, they also wrestle <clears throat> that kind of, you know, junior heavyweight type style, but there's an emphasis on the heavyweight and the junior part is just the salt and pepper that's seasoning the heavyweight style match. What do you think about all that? Dude, I love it. Like, I, I don't think I've, I've kind of thought about it that way, but, it's a it's it's a really interesting way to to look at it. And dude, I would go as far as to say this is one of my favorite Goto singles matches in ages. Yeah. Because you're right. Like I, I'm I'm watching it thinking like, man, he's pulling out stuff I don't usually see him do. Even Yoshihashi the other night. Like sure, we've seen him do destroyers and stuff, but not often like two in a match, and he doesn't often like. So yeah, they, maybe that's that flavor as well. It's just kind of, you know, because by now they've probably wrestled a few guys from England. They've probably wrestled heaps of guys from Mexico, and they've definitely wrestled lots of in America, and they've definitely wrestled lots of guys from uh, well, Japan, obviously. But maybe, uh, yeah, not as many Aussies over the years and stuff like that, especially two hungry guys like Mark Davis and uh, and Kyle Fletcher. I. Uh, well, yeah. here's an example. When these like, two how, guys go for their tag match, it's going to be nuts. And we, we yeah. Won't well, and, and they know they can lose to them, too. So, like, that's a big part of this, like, we got to try some new shit and make sure that we kind of evolve with the times. There's that story as well. But check out how this match starts. All right. So it's Goto versus Kyle Fletcher. Uh, you know, New Japan Cup second round match. Here we go. Goto, Lariat's Fletcher to the outside. And normally the babyface thing to do is to wait for him to get out, get back in the ring. But no, Goto has a sense of urgency. These guys can beat us. We got to assert dominance. We got to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. So he, it's, it's, you know, it's a respect thing too. It puts over Aussie open as a threat, you know, in a, a main event, you know, New Japan Cup, show match that's amazing so he goes right out there and wants to hurt fletcher as much as possible so kyle fletcher has this uh move that he does and it's kind of like his 
um, you know, what do you, uh, his dragon screw leg whip, all right? And see, that's another thing is that he gets that part of New Japan wrestling already, is that you, you need to have these certain moves and the functions that they, you know, play in the storytelling. And Kyle Fletcher has this flying, like, single leg drop kick kind of thing, right? And he kind of, like, he, I, I noticed that he, I watched a lot of his matches, well, three of his matches recently, and I picked up right away what he's doing, is that whenever his opponents are in the ropes, caught unaware, bam, here comes that kick, right? Before he can even think about it, it's already there. He's already there kicking them. And it leads to some really dramatic, like surprising moments in matches. I really love it. It's it's a really cool move. So he uses that, um, you know, on Goto, like right there at the beginning. And, it, you know, it's just such a great move for storytelling. And I love it. So uh, Goto makes a face selling the pain like from moves from uh, Fletcher. And I don't think I've ever seen him make that face. And it's great. He loves wrestling these guys. You can tell. And so Fletcher is in super cell mode the whole time. Goto hits a simple shoulder tackle and Fletcher goes bouncing across the ring. <laughs> it's awesome. So, and Goto's like, hey, you know what? I'll bounce around too. He goes up the top rope and Fletcher gets one of those kicks and fucking knocks him off the top rope. And, you know, and uh, Fletcher, he's, his kicks, I love him. So he goes for a dive Canadian style, but jumps over Goto, lands on his feet. Goto tries a like a, a, a draping GTR and Fletcher fights out, slams Goto onto the apron and then uh, sends him back first in the apron, then slams him on the apron. And Goto doesn't land on the apron and stay there. He bounces onto the floor. And so that makes allows uh fletcher to follow up with a top rope moonsault to the outside that sequence was fucking awesome it was <laughs> yeah. just so great man and <laughs> this whole match is full of stuff like that so they settle into some strong style back and forth main event style and uh we're deep in this heavyweight main event and uh you always got to get that in there all of fletcher's moves look so good he hits that crazy drop kick thing again when goat is facing away and gets near in the ropes and he tries tombstone has to try a second time and hits tombstone for two then he sends goto into the corner and hits another one of those flying kicks and in japan you could do that you know i mean kenny omega used to use it hit the c trigger like 10 times in a match so it's it's an important storytelling device so you know i i love that that he has that so anyway he sends goto in the corner hits another kick and inspired by the young talent he's facing, Goto goes to the top rope and hits a top rope sunset flip power bomb that is just beautiful. It's so awesome. And he gets a two count and the crowd is like, wow, <laughs> it's amazing. So this is what I mean. Would like on any other New Japan Cup show, have you seen Goto do something like that? I haven't, no. you know, I mean, <laughs> Hell no. I, I mean, he's elbowing dudes through tables. Now he's flipping off the top rope and he's clearly enjoying it. And this is, this is like a fresh matchup for him. There's so, so many ways that I can explain why this is awesome. So they get a bouillet spot where they kind of fight from their knees up to their feet and Fletcher knocks Goto down and call calls for, he calls, he's on commentary. And I kind of haven't really been listening to him because I'm so into this match, but I, I, I have a, a good old chuckle when he says, oh, get his pillow and blankie. <laughs> I think my favorite call in this match was there was a brain bust. A brain buster won't work on Goto. And Kevin's like, why? And Cobb's like, you got to have brains. <laughs> he should have just said nothing. That would be better. So why? And then just 
and this next move, and just move on. So anyway, <laughs> uh, something kind of goes wrong. This is a neat spot too. So, uh, okay. So Goto's down, he's selling down. And, uh, and so here comes um, some kind of basic, you know, uh, heat move and Fletcher botches it. He just, it's like Goto's too close to him and he can't adjust. Right. And he's, he's upset with himself. Right. So it's, I really enjoyed that because he kind of uses it, like gets right back into the match, but you could tell he's just like, fuck, I fucked that up. But in a way that's in character, which is hard to do. So Goto uses the ring post as a fake uh, tag team uh, partner and hits the Shoto and he follows up with a GTR and wins, which is boo. But man, this match was tremendous. Um, It's just after the match, there's respect. Goto just walks over to, you know, him and kind of gestures to the title as if to say, you've earned yourself a title match. And I can't deny you because I'm a good guy, you know. So after that performance, I can't deny you. And that is all part of the Australian wrestler effect. Dude. This match was awesome. Like, and I just listened to you for five minutes praising a Goto match. So, you know, this match is fucking incredible. So, yeah. It, it's hard hitting. It's fucking so good. And it's like, it's like Goto knows that this guy is younger. He might not necessarily have as much muscle as me, but he's got the muscle. He's younger. He's faster. And he's going to come at me with everything I got. And he's just like, oh, man, I'm going to have to fucking pull some shit out in order to kind of overcome this. It's like one of the most hardest earned GTRs I've ever seen to the point where when I saw him finally get the GTR on a win, I'm like, I'm going to allow this. You fucking earn that shit. He made you earn that. And I was like, yep, that's and and, uh, yeah, it was super awesome. In fact, uh, funnily enough, uh, I liked all four nights of these shows, but my two favorite nights had two matches on it that I would consider never as fuck. And you know who the two common denominators were on both those nights? Yeah, Kyle Fletcher and Aaron Hanare. So, wow. Uh, You know, we wanted them to do something with Hanare for ages. Here he is. He's arrived. Boom. And I'm glad he got to round two of the New Japan Cup, not just like a first-round bum, because we got to see him wrestle against two champions, by the way. And he he looked good against both. And now I've seen Kyle Fletcher being like, hey, uh, I know you know me as a tag dude, but uh, hey, here's, here's what I can do. In fact, I, I've seen Kyle Fletcher uh, live, and I've seen Mark Davis live, and they both had singles matches with Robbie Eagles, so I've never seen them wrestle as a tag team live. <laughs> one one of these days, one of these days I will. But yeah, uh, no, <laughs> no surprise that... The, my two favorite nights out of this this bunch were the two nights that had some never ass, never a shit kind of fucking matches on it. Oh, gnarly stuff. Man. Oh, it's exciting, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like I don't know. This is by far the best New Japan Cup we've covered. Like the, like I, I'm it more is. excited. I don't know. I just it's just got a more positive vibe to it just overall, and I feel like that everybody has something to do. And when that's the case, man, wrestling's really interesting, especially when those things that they're doing are good and like tremendous pro wrestling. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of said it all already, but man, I could just, I could go on and on about how, how fun these matches were to watch. Yeah. And, you know, there's another wrestling on show tonight and I've, I'm still feeling that part of, all right, at least, look, break it up at least one day off, two shows, one day off, two shows, one day off. Nope, we're getting like, 
all, all these shows I'm pretty sure all in a row and there's another show on tonight I'm like oh man it's a lot of wrestling but fuck it's great <laughs> it's so good <laughs> so I think there's a break on Tuesday so uh, there's no show on Tuesday and there's no show on on Thursday so we basically yeah. we basically have every other day going forward which is that's not bad you know what I mean um, yep oh man yeah, leading up to the Impact pay-per-view that we are not going to watch. So, fuck mm. everybody. Um, yeah, so our right. next New Japan Cup show has the main event, which is Dunkzilla versus Will Ospreay, which will be awesome, and Evil versus Jeff Cobb. And, man, like, every night has United Empire just all up in this thing, man. It's kind of cool. Well, considering the only Empire guy on screen for most of COVID was uh, Great Khan. I can see why they're doing this the way they're doing this because they're like, hey, we should have established this ages ago. We couldn't. We're doing it now, and it's working. Fucking hell yeah. Oh, and then um, on the next night, on Thursday, we Great Okan, David Finley, and Shota Umino, Zack Sabre Jr. So, fuck. Oh, my goodness. Hey, uh, so I have a United Empire-related uh, piece of uh, information here that's kind of interesting. So... Akira, Francesco Akira is wrestling, he wrestled, well, he participated in the WXW 16-carat tournament, which is like one of the big international tournaments in independent pro wrestling. And uh, it's in Germany, and it's like, it used to be a big deal, and I have a feeling that, I just haven't heard much about it since COVID, so I think this, as like with a lot of promotions, this is their first breakout year in a while, and uh, he participated in the uh, event, but uh, the event was won, the tournament was won by Shigehiro Irie from the Stronghearts and Gleet, who is just a tremendous wrestler, and he'll be in America soon, and I hope I get to see him because he fucking rolls. Hell yeah. I hope you do too. So, I don't... Oh, shit, I hope to see him if he comes to Australia, whatever, you know. But, uh, so, we've, we've done a lot. We've covered four shows. We've had a Ring of Honor review. Do we still do the rest of the diary? You want to save it? Because next episode, we're probably going to have to cover two shows. It's up to you, man. Yeah, I didn't. I just looked at the time. Holy shit. I had no idea we've gone this long. Yeah, let's wait. Uh, so we'll do Wrestler Diary next week or next episode. Or next which episode we'll just, yeah. yeah, it'll just be in a few days, probably. So, yeah, we'll do that. I think uh, you guys have listened to enough of us talk uh, for this episode. So thank you, Jay, for sending the Wrestler Diary. We will get to it uh, on the next episode. So I will uh, I will tease it at least for for everyone. So thank you, Jay, for sending it in. But I am going to tease it. Uh, she did write in and say, have I already sent a Shingo one? No. No, you have not. And uh, I have not even had a, much of a glance at it at all. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, yes, everyone's heard us waffle on for it's one of our uh, more longer-end shows. So I figured, yeah, we'll save the goodness for next time. And uh, unless Mr. Guy has uh, anything to add, in Gato we trust. 